With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Moralia Python Radio. With your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. And tonight... We are talking uh, Cajun, White Lips, Carpet Fest, uh, season updates. It's just Owen and I. Everything. Hanging out. Yeah. um, So, uh, um, we have Brandon. He's going to be stopping in and checking in and let us know how Southwest Carpet Fest went. Nice. uh, This past weekend. And this weekend is the Southern Carpet Fest. And then it's time for the OG. Oh. It's the real deal. Right, we got to do shit. Yeah. 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 The t-shirt sales have ended. So I guess it's time that we start. Uh, we'll put out the official. If you're coming, contact me about what food you want to bring. And uh, also, if you want to get in on the Northeast Carpet Fest uh, auction, uh, give us a ring. Tell us what you want to contribute to the auction. I know some of you already have. So uh, just remind me, because if you think I've been putting a list together, you could don't worry, Owen. Listening to the show, you have. I have. Oh my God, <laughs> I have the list of the auction of and the people that contacted me. So <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, but let yeah. me just say that you know, we, I get to Hamburg and I'm getting ready to talk to Eric Kohler, Jason Bale, and Howard Redding about mm-hmm. the fact that I screwed up and that Carpet Fest is the same day as Hamburg. And I go up there, and and my whole thing is like, you know, I don't want them to be mad at Eric. I don't want them to do, you know, it was it was all me, it was all that. So I get up there, and I'm like, you know, yeah, we, you know, it was a mess up, and I'm like, and it was completely my fault. And then Jason just looks right at me and goes, Oh, we know. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, oh no, we know. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even do. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, there wasn't even like some kind of defense. Like, I didn't have to come to your aid and be like, no, 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 it's all me. <laughs> They're like, no, no, no. We know you're an idiot. I'm like, oh, all right. And then like, and then like, Kohler's like, you don't even have a table today because you screwed that up. I'm like, there are reasons. All right. So you know, and like, and I just, kept, it was, it was bad. <laughs> so you know, it was very you might bad. you want you might want to wait that next one out, bro. And let the uh, <laughs> let a little time go by. You know what I mean. <laughs> Carpet guys ain't giving you no love over there, man. What the heck? I know. It's like, yeah. it's like, and then Jeez. I come reminiscing, and it's like, you know, several aisles away, Balin's got his table, and he's throwing wet paper towels at me again for like, and this is like my fifth Hamburg show. So, you know, it's <laughs> apparently it's been going on forever. So, enough there. Right. Talk. But they said they're cool, and uh, they're definitely, all of them said they were going to uh, attempt to. To make it down to Carpet Fest after Hamburg, so uh, hopefully those guys can do that. I know it's going to be a long day, but well, I did get confirmation that Nick is actually on his way out. He is coming. Flight is booked. Oh my god! So that's cool. Oh my god! So we got Nick Mutton, Rob Stone, me. Yep. I mean, what you? else could you want? Yeah, Crystal Lemmy. <laughs> oh well, yeah, right. Well, I guess him too. <laughs> 
I need the giant, man. I need the giant. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I feel out yeah, of balance true. without the giant. <laughs> yeah, true. So Actually, we'll that, I, I don't. Mean, it's. I I don't know if anybody caught it, but if anybody watches the zoo, it's probably <laughs> the the I only good show that the Animal Planet has done in the past maybe twenty years, I think. And um, yeah. anyway, so it's a show, and they. Uh, they go in behind the scenes. It kind of reminds me of uh, when they used to do Croc Diaries, Steve Irwin's Croc Diaries. Yeah. Like they would just see like yeah. the ins and outs of the Australian Zoo. But this is even a little more. I don't know. This is even a little better, I think, in my opinion. But um, <clears throat> anyway, they had this uh, snow leopard, and uh, it was walking kind of funky, and uh, its like legs were spread out. Or huh? I saw him, uh, they were doing, they were checking out a polar bear and like, I'm sitting back and I'm just relaxing, like, you know, and I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm watching animal planet because I'm weird. And, you know, halfway through they're talking about this polar bear and they pan over to the zookeepers and there's Chris Salemi staring directly forward. I'm like, ah, he can see (laughs) the TV or something. You know, here I am trying to relax and Chris Salemi staring at me from my television and I'm like, oh my God. Well, well, in this last episode, he's like really in it, like not oh. just like in passing or whatever. Like he's he's really in it for like he picks up the snow leopard from his I guess it was his boss. I don't know somebody <laughs> that brings mm-hmm. the snow leopard back this cub because they're like kind of re- rehabilitating it, and uh, he's there while they're trying to reintroduce it to the mom. And I guess there's like uh, it's it's real shoddy on whether or not the mom can accept cub back. You would probably right. know about that. With all your uh, zoo history that you've done, but uh, I, so dude, no, no, Chris Salemi was a zoo. I was a glorified chew toy for multiple animals. Okay, so there's <laughs> the difference, right? So, yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he, he, he was in, he was in it, and uh, he will be signing autographs at uh, Carpet Fest. Uh, so we have celebrities at our Carpet Fest. We have the uh, author of Can the complete Carpet Python. Uh, he could. I can tattoo it right on my arm, and it will be sweet. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you get a chance, you should check it out. But I know uh, Brandon is on the line, and we're gonna get an update cool. of how that went because I know he has to. Uh, he has to jet kind of kind of early. So let's yeah. get him on. Hey Brandon, how you doing? Are you all uh, recuperated yeah. from the weekend, man, or what? <laughs> it, it it took a second. I'm not gonna lie. It was a couple of day recovery process. Sunday was rough. Wait, Sunday did you have any rough. kind of Nick Scally action going on? No, I mean, it was, well. it was very, it was very. Dude, where's my car? You know, like <laughs> the. Uh, I, I, I didn't realize that I had blacked out until it was the next day, and they posted oh, the group photo that they they, they, uh, they posted the group photo that we took, and, and I didn't remember the group photo, and and I got upset because I wasn't in the group photo, and I'm like, guys, where was I? Like, why didn't you tell me this was going on? And then Ian Bessel points me out in the picture. I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, true, uh, true carpet. That's how we do it. Yeah, that, that was it. But uh, you that know, reminds- the, the mistake was I started. Uh, I started really early. That was where the mistake happened because I started grilling smoked wings for everybody because we, we smoked all kinds of stuff: brisket, pork, awesome. wings, tri-tip, and uh, but I, I started the smoker at like eight a.m. 
oh, which wow. naturally is when you start drinking beer, because that's how you Correct. time when to flip right. the cold. Yeah, makes sense. You know, that's and, how uh, you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So by th- by the time it was like pulling brisket and pork off, I'd completely abandoned the smoker. You know, I- I'm nowhere to be found. I'm I'm wandering around aimlessly. Like Tony, Tony had to step in and and pull stuff off, which for the record, he pulled off way too early. Uh, oh, my, my wife, uh, yeah, yeah. My wife took the leftover brisket and stuff and put it in the steamer, and now it's amazing. I have barbecue for like the rest of the week. <laughs> nice, <laughs> but it was a, it was a great time. Yeah, we have all kinds of missions post carpet. It's like I have a half a keg of IPA left, West Coast IPA that I need to find a kegerator for. So we're we're shopping vigorously online to get a deal for a kegerator so I can finish this freaking keg. <laughs> Oh, God. The pressures of like a Yeah, dear God. Dude, I still awesome, have beer man. from last year, man. Last year's Carpet Dude. Fest, that beer is still here. I know. <laughs> I know. I still have beer from when I did it. It's like it yeah. doesn't go away. <laughs> yeah. We we were prepared, you know. We came stocked. It was it was good, man. And you know, and there's a bunch of people showed up that I didn't think would show up, which was awesome. And there's a bunch of people I hoped would be here that weren't, but you know, it, it was an okay turnout. We had like twenty to twenty to twenty five people or something, which you know, I was hoping That's for cool. closer to forty. But man, we made the best out of what we had. And uh we actually we raised about fifty two hundred for US nice. nice. That's awesome though. Yeah, cool, and that's man. really I mean Steven Steven Katz and Riley Jimson really put a lot of work into that. So that was awesome. Those guys got that together and made that happen and everybody was just bidding on stuff and you know, I got a crested gecko, so that's new. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, there's a pinch yeah, crested right. gecko on there, and the the high bid was like forty bucks, and I'm like, oh, my son would love this, you know. So, fifty bucks <laughs> cool. got me this killer pinstripe, so that's a lot nice. of fun. And we got to watch uh, Riley get bit in the face by a scrub python, so that was pretty. Oh sad. my that. god! And that was wait, awesome. I missed this. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> I was talking to him today, and he didn't yeah. even mention that. So I'm a little pissed about well, that. Well, he got off. He got off lucky. He got bit in the hat, but still, it was pretty oh, epic that it well. was recorded on video. But it was one of those like he's like, yeah, it's fine, totally cool, tame, nice scrub python, and then he made this like quick jerky movement and whack. <laughs> like a six, seven foot barnack, you know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having flashbacks from no that carpet deal. fest where I ate the uh, crabs, though, and the crab lungs and stuff. The lungs, <laughs> no, and you were puking your guts out, yeah. Yeah, remember yeah, I was uh, cooking on the grill. I do remember. A beer. Yeah. It's like I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> Bit by yeah, the scrub. I do remember <laughs> that. Yeah, one of our guests. One of our guests that'll remain nameless was nice enough to puke all over the couch for us, so that was good. <laughs> See, at least everybody just always... puked in Eric's backyard. I mean, that was nice of everyone at Eric's place. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Let's hope we keep that going. I, I think that was post keg stands. That was the keg stand that did oh that. Oh, my God. That or, the, that or the Jaeger. I'm not entirely sure which, but yeah. No. Yeah, I have no have no doubts. Carpet Fest is a party. It's uh, 
yes. it's a party. Uh, it, it, if you go too hard, you will not make it to a uh, last man standing photo, because that's why we have those photos. So <laughs> there were a few bodies yeah, in Eric's place. I mean, you yeah. know. Well, you'll you'll see that this year, right? You're coming out, right? Yes. Yeah, I am. I'll be there. I I booked my plane oh, ticket and I'm on my way. And Northeast car, you know, you guys are always like, hey, just come on out. It's fine. Just do it. It's fun. Make it. And finally, I was like, you know, not gonna lie, I was pretty drunk listening to was it last <laughs> week's episode. I'm not sure, but like, oh, I was good. A couple of drinks deep at that point, and all of a sudden, you were just so excited. It was just motivational, you know. Yeah, I'll be yeah. damned. The next morning, I had. Uh, you know, I, I had put money down on the plane ticket by the time I woke up in the morning. Here we are. We're coming to Carpet Fest. I'm telling you, That's man, awesome. you won't be disappointed. I'm telling you. I promise. You'll yeah. see. Uh... Just make sure you got, like, some form of a blow-up mattress or something that needs my name on it, man. I'm coming from a long way. Make that happen for me, all right? I got I got you. Uh, you, got a, you got a section of the couch, man. You're good. I got you hooked up. Aww, You're good. Yeah. You'll be nice and comfortable. There we go. I promise. There we go. There we go. That's it. I'm there. I think next year, see, so I booked the trip to Australia, so I can't, I couldn't make it to uh, all the Carpet Fest, but I think next year is going to have to be the world tour of the Carpet Fest to hit all of them in one year. So I think that's the goal. Ian on his way this year, man. Yeah. Ian, uh, yeah, Ian's coming to Northeast. Uh, he did the, the southeast. He's going to southern, and he came out here. Ian Vessel made it out here. So yeah, I think northwest is the only one he didn't hit. So four out of five. That's pretty dedicated. Yeah, that is. He's better than us. So I know. <laughs> what the heck, Owen? We started this shit. And hey, we're not even hey, going hey, to. Hey, 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 hey! It took me six years to get a serious microphone. Okay, so in about ten years, we'll make it to another carpet fest. Jeez. Good point. Good. Thank you. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm we glad had, you guys had a blast. And go ahead. Sorry. We had some old school guys come up out of nowhere too. There's this one guy that came up and. Man, he was around in the seventies when when Carpet Fest was going, or when not when Carpet, when Carpet Pythons were first coming into the states and telling us Matt all Moyle. kinds of these crazy stories. And, yeah, Matt, yeah, yeah, that guy. I love that yeah. guy. Yeah. Man, that that dude's got stories, man. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you know when they had Carpet yeah, Fest? Yeah, I, I had never met him. Yeah, when they had Carpet did. Fest at Owen's place. Uh, I was talking yeah. to him all night long, you know, it was like, oh man, he's just telling me story after story after story. I'm like, oh, and, and he's know. like the nicest guy too. Cause he brought like a oh, steak to my, like for me because I was hosting it and they ended up grilling it for me at like, I don't know, two in the freaking morning. And it was like, I'm too drunk. I've eaten too much, but this, it was delicious. It was like the <laughs> best ever. So it, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. He's a cool guy. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good to see everybody. Cool, 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 cool. Did uh, Brian Cusco make it out there? I didn't see if he came out or not. No, no. no? Brian okay. just flew back from Hawaii the day before, so he kind of gets a pass. Uh, I gotcha. Um, you know, yeah, and a couple of the other guys that had been around for the last couple of years didn't show up either, but it's all right. It's all right. Life happens. That's how it goes. You know, we had that. Remember, Owen, the one year where we had like. You know, it was like 
a bunch of people missing and they didn't come and there was this but we still had a good time you know what i mean you remember the one year we had all the food there but no one cooked it because we all just stood around <laughs> staring at each other yeah this is yeah. of course this is carpet fest shit happens so yeah this year is yeah Owen messed up with the scheduling. Yeah, I mean, come on. So, I am I am not in charge of cooking next year. I cannot control myself. <laughs> I drink entirely too much alcohol. I am and... not the responsible one. We need like a designated smoker for next year. You yeah. know, someone who doesn't drink all day. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had that for Southern Carpet Fest. Um, and it turned out fantastic. They actually had guys whose soul's job was to, like to start the grill and cook all that stuff. So um, that worked out great for them. Um, we just yell at people and make them bring it pre-cooked. So you know that's just our way around it. But right, yeah, baby, we, we might do that next year. We might do that next year. We'll see. We're all smoke it all the day before, and then <laughs> it'll be cooked, and we'll just have to heat it up, and then we can serve it. I don't know something. Because I didn't expect the brisket. The brisket's what really threw a wrench in our operation. Because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this giant, full—I don't know, like I don't know how heavy they are. Like a ten-pound brisket or something. Like just really large. Like it took up like half of the smoker, but it didn't show up until like one o'clock. You know. So what? What are you supposed to do with that at one o'clock? Those things take like twelve hours to smoke, man. <laughs> you can't just throw that right on the smoke. I mean, you could try, and sure as so hell we did. Now I'm eating it for dinner, but it was not <laughs> done. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. But I have had brisket three days in a row now, so life's good. <laughs> cool. There you go. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Well, I'm glad uh, you guys had a blast, and it sounds like uh, – you raised some money for U.S. Arc and uh, good times, man. Good, good times. Thank you, sir. Yeah, next you know, year. until next year, you know, who, who knows what yeah. that'll be or what's going to go on or who knows if I'll host it or somebody else. I won't host it if my wife has anything to say about it. I'll tell you that much. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll be take her on a trip or something, make her happy. Yeah, <laughs> that's we're, what we're I spoiled do. with the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, real, real, real quick short story. So I told her that I was buying tickets to go to Northeast Carpet Fest. You know what happened the next day? She had What's a that? girl's trip planned to Austin, Texas. Ah. <laughs> the, well, the right, next day. Fair. She's like, yeah, baby, of course you can go to Carpet Fest. It's totally fine. Not a problem <laughs> at all. Like, that's great. You should totally do whatever you want. The next day, hey, babe, so me and the girls were talking, and there's this ticket, all expenses paid to Texas. I'm like, fine, book it. Here's the credit card. Leave me alone. I'm going to carpet test. <laughs> yeah, it was, that happened. Well, we're going to have to get Smart you a Philly cheesesteak. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a rite of passage and some water. So. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be good. Water. water. Yeah. Some water. Yeah. Say, say water again. Water. 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 It's water ice. Water. It's got the O, yeah. You got to figure out what the John is, water ice. It, and, I don't uh, know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he's like, uh, you know, he's a suburbanite. He don't know. I know. It's. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, cool. cool deal, man. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that. Uh, cool. Brisket. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, gentlemen, and enjoy your evening. And I'll see you in uh, what are we? Eight, nine weeks out. Oh God! Pretty much. Are yeah. we now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All see right, you then. Man. I'll be there. Right. Take it easy. Right. See you. Have a good one. Very, very cool, man. Very, very cool. Looks like those guys had a had a blast out there. I'm telling you, man. Any of these carpet fest, if you don't go to it, I mean, you get to hang out with cool people. And it's just basically a party. Like, think of yeah. it, I don't know, man. You know you know how, like, every year, you whatever hobby you're into or whatever group of people you hang out with and you talk to online and then you get to get together and, um, you know, hang out and drink and talk and whatever, smoke cigars, smoke whatever you want. I don't know. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> Easy, killer. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh... Yeah, man, it's a good time. So this weekend, no, uh, we got, it what? is, and it, it's one thing. It's like you know, I've had a few people who are going to be first time visitors to Carpet Fest contact me, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we're a little nervous about being the newcomers." And like, well, you know that, but that's the nah. whole point. You know, this is for you to come and meet everybody and get involved, and then you're not a newcomer, and then you're a familiar face, and then you're just you're there. So yeah, I mean, I can understand it being a little nerve wracking because let's put it this way, I was nervous speaking to Jason Balin for the first time. I was nervous talking to all these other people. You know, uh, I was nervous when Howard tied a balloon to my wrist the first time I ever met him, but that was a different kind of nervous. Um, but when yeah, it comes like to you're other things, end up in a trunk dead nervous. That's I thought he was going to take my kidney, but it's like, uh, <laughs> you wake up with a scar on the right side of your stomach. Like what? the? Oh my God. Yeah. So, but it's like, that kind of ner- you get past that stuff, and then you know you can build yourself in the community. And, and Carpet Fest is really where you get to know people. And I've had numerous people contact me after Carpet Fest saying that it was a great time. I've numerous people contact me saying it was a bunch of fun. I've had numerous people contact me wanting to buy uh, certain snakes, wanting information about certain snakes that they may never even had contact with without Carpet Fest. Like you know, it was like a uh, couple years ago when I hosted it, everybody wanted rough scales and then everybody wanted olive pythons. And then uh, last year, what is it? A bunch of people wanted to get Papuan pythons and crap like that. It's just like, that's just how it goes where this is a way for you to meet people in the community as well as check out some really cool animals at somebody's collection. So why not do it? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's Morelli keepers all around the U S no doubt, but like, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of that hub is like on the East Coast in like Maryland to Pennsylvania, like in that area, especially in Maryland. There's a lot of like, especially like Chondro guys and such. But, you know, like it's just uh, they're they're just awesome guys. And especially when you get to hang out, they love the party, dude. I'm telling you, man, they just (laughs) are straight up partiers, man. They do some crazy Chondro guys are insane. I mean, especially the two Chondro people that are in like the um, part of the GTP keeper radio. I mean, those men are healthcare professionals and they'll kill you. <laughs> so it's like, uh, they know, they know how to take you right to the edge and then, pull and then you right back. bring you back. It's like, you know, it's, right to the edge. Bill, Bill Stiegel is, he's an insane person. And then, you know, I you always think that Buddy is like the calm guy, but you don't don't trust the quiet one either. I mean, nah, man. Know, nah, a couple beers and he starts stoking a yeah. fire. It's all over, dude. He's building a giant fire. <laughs> What's the problem? He used to be a fireman, and he was like, and now he's a nurse, so he's like, he's just building this fire. He goes, don't worry, if it gets out of control, I can save everyone here. I'm like, thank yeah. you, buddy. So yeah, no, 
great. Yeah, it just it, I just realized that how much work I have to do, and <laughs> like, oh my god, here we go it again. It came crashing down on you. Yeah. Uh, just well, like, you and I, uh, you and I will meet up this like we'll, we'll meet up this weekend or something. We'll go over it, and then I'll leave and come back here, and then you can deal with the list. So, gotcha. You know. <laughs> I yeah. like how that works. Because I'm, I'm helping. So yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah if you're, if I, I'm kind of bummed, I can't make it to the Southern Carpet Fest this year. But really, it has yeah. to do with again the trip to Australia. And uh, if I had to choose between Carpet Fest and Australia, eh, I got, mm-hmm. I got to pick Australia, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yes, I'm getting older, yeah. <laughs> so I got, I got to, I got to do what I got to do. But. Um, I hope those. I, that's another one, man. I always have a blast, and I'm kind of bummed because I've been to every one of the Southern Carpet Fest, um, yeah, up till now. And uh, they're going to Tony Jerome's place. Uh, I can't remember yeah. what they said. Uh, they were talking about it on the from the ground up yesterday. Um, Evan was on there with uh, with those guys, and um, they were talking about. Uh, I can't remember what spot's at because they moved it. It used to be. Um, with uh what's his name the ivoryman king but it's now uh it's now tony jerome so i think oh wait maybe he just messaged me i think he did hold on he's on hold oh right. shoot he's on hold oh shit oh my god oh, an actual man. caller on the live show wait this never happens <laughs> <laughs> hold on let me see what number he is i don't want any like uh people telling me you know, <laughs> <laughs> all the crazy shit that they've told. No, no, please, oh. God, get this right. <laughs> yeah, Evan, I need to know what number you're you're on. Evan, you suck. Will you please just give me your number? He okay. He's typing. Anyway, this is great for you? live <laughs> radio. Two one four. Okay. <laughs> Waiting. Just, go. Gonna wait for. What's up, Evan? Evan? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Oh, nothing much, man. You're making nothing the rounds much. this week, Come man. On. You're like podcast. Yeah, uh, yes. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been I've been busy, man. Yeah, we were gonna have a Southern Carpet Fest out at uh Ryan Sullivan's house. He was uh Ivory Connection and right. you know, last second plans changed like at the last second. And I've been, you know, super stressed because any other year Bill's hosted and just kind of right. I just put the word out. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have to do too much work. Well, this year, right. you know, it's all on <laughs> me. And so I've been running around like a chicken with no head and thought I locked down a location. And then two weeks out, it's like, oh, yeah, we can't do it here. So I was like, fuck. So yeah. I've been running around, man. And Tony and Melissa opened up their doors and we're going to do it out there. And hopefully awesome. have a great time. I'm telling you, man, Poplin Pythons are going to be the hit after this Southern Carpet Fest. Everybody's going to yeah. want one, including you, Evan. I'm telling you. Nah, I, look, I talked about that yesterday. I was just like, they're cool. I, I've seen his snake. It's cool. It's just, I, it's something that, I don't know. It's, I have a thing about brown snakes. They just don't do anything for me. I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> it's cool. But I, I'm on that light side of things. I can't go to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> he he likes green and blue. and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, man, I was pretty bummed to hear you guys couldn't make it, assholes, because I was like, all right, I'm going to see Eric and Owen. They're like, oh, I don't think they're making it. I was like, oh, come on. Uh, well, um, yeah. June 9th is ours. Where the hell are you going to be? When? June 9th. June 9th. Where are you? Yeah. You could always come to us, you know. That, yeah. that lanes go away. I, I, I won't make it this year, but I will come, I promise. 
All right. Look, well, next year, like I said, my man, place. <clears throat> like so. I said, I had a choice between Australia and oh, Southern yeah. Carpet no Fest. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like, I heard you say it. I was like, well, shit. Even if, <laughs> not, if I was hosting Carpet Fest and someone's like, hey, man, you want to go to Bora Bora? Uh, somebody else take the rain. <laughs> I'm out. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have <laughs> right. a choice. I just didn't do it. So, you know, you right. can draw your own conclusions, yeah. <laughs> so hope, maybe you can get some cutouts. Maybe we can like send you some cutouts of me and uh, please no. You know, we won't take up that much. At least I won't take up that much room. But you know, I'm that's not, true. Like, you can probably <laughs> fold into a letter. But um, I'm concerned. What would I'm concerned? Cardboard cutouts of myself and you, and, and like you know, Bill had my sweatshirt for like two hours, and I got like 18 pictures of him like cleaning with it or something like that. A cardboard cutout of Owen. And I no. think I'm safe. So, Owen, you're yeah, the you're one. You're safe, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Howard will be you're here. You're okay. So, you know, there's no telling what might happen to it. That is true. <laughs> uh, that's cool, man. So, what? I mean, you got the crawfish boil, which I was looking forward yes, to uh, getting in on that. That sounds awesome. Yes, sir. I think that's going to go down. Uh, Howard's actually getting them ordered and bringing them, having them flown in, and he's just going to pick them up when he steps off the plane. And, nice. Uh, so everything's working out, man. I've been a little stressed out, but you know, a lot of people. We got a lot of donations that came in. I was thoroughly shocked and pretty happy. So we shall see you, how it's going to go down. Now, are you guys doing a live auction, or are you doing your silent yeah. auction like you've done we, in the we, past? We've always done the silent auctions, but I, I right. think last year I saw you guys do a live auction, and I was watching it on Facebook, and I was like, that shit looks like fun. And so I was like, okay, so hopefully we might try to do a live auction and see how it goes. Yeah, I think I have my wife is going to videotape it, Owen. So we're going live on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to get somebody live on Instagram. Oh, we're doing it, boy. We're, oh, we're like right. bringing all right. out all the stops, all right. bro. We are the original OG. All we right. got to do it bigger and better than everybody else. The OG, triple OG. Revved up like this. That's right. Then we got to do shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plus we got Nick Scally, man. You can't you can't top that. Well, I, no, I'm sorry, just, man. I mean, Crazy as Howard is, he ain't got nothing accent. on Scally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've seen some pictures that I probably wish I hadn't seen. With too much, but, uh, seen too much of Nick hot, Scally, yeah. Way man. Too much. Yeah, no, stop it. <laughs> All right, you know, I never actually believed people talk like that until he showed up, and I'm like, dear lord, it's true. So it's wicked yeah. hot, cool being here at the Capitol. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't make too much fun, you know, because we talk water no, and all yeah, that we shit. Can't water. Yeah, <laughs> <we> just, <laughs> but I know everybody go. was laughing at me. They were laughing at me last year because they're like, "This carpet fest isn't even over, and he's already planning next year's." And I already see it now. Like I've, after everything that happened this year, I'm damn sure like my mind is already working next year. Like first things first, secure venue. Like make sure I got this shit locked down. Underline. Yeah. I mean, I'm, my stress. Yeah, that's level, the hardest part, man. It, it really is, and I mean, it, it took so long for us to, to find a place, and then when we got, we were just like, yes, and so I was so happy, and then two weeks out, it's like, oh, can't do it, and so it was kind of like, shit, now I have no time, so I was, it was like crunch time, and uh, yeah, that's, that's first and foremost next year, I'm not even going to mess around, like, I'm going I'm to get on it and find a spot with a quickness and see what's what, because I, I don't ever want to be put in that situation again, and I was so stressed out, and then my thought is just like, people are flying in. Am I going to have mm-hmm. to cancel this? There's, if I had to throw this in the middle of the street, I was not going to cancel it. Like, I don't care if we found a park out somewhere at a lake or something. We were not going to let this get canceled. But So right. Tony swooped in and saved the day, and 
Don't go down. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So you'll have to stop back uh, next week and let us know how it went. I would definitely yeah. do that. All right. Definitely, cool. definitely. But I hope to see you guys next year. Hope you guys make it out. Miss you oh, guys. no doubt. It's always a good time when y'all we'll are try, around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll be there for sure next year. I'm telling you, man, I'm going on the Carpet Fest tour. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm gonna make, hey, I'm going to make sure that we bring Queso to this Carpet Fest just for y'all. But y'all All right. Be there. Oh. So we'll oh, take yeah. All right. Now we're here. good. Take some yeah. pictures, send it to us, make us feel bad. You know, you know the deal, man. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So, all right, well, tell everybody we said hi, and uh, hope hope you guys have a blast, man. All right, all right man. You have a good one. You Enjoy too, man. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> all right, cool. So lots of carpet fest going on. Like I said, man, Owen, you're right. If you're on the fence, you don't have to be into carpet pythons. You know, we started this because we're into carpet pythons and you know, yeah. it was, it was mostly everybody that was getting together was in that little community. Um, but you could keep corn snakes. You could keep uh, shit, man. You Turtles. could keep bullfrogs. You could not even keep any yeah. reptiles. Maybe you're interested. Right, exactly. in reptiles. You could just, you could just show up with like, you know, uh, say this is say you're on the fence about like maybe you have one or two snakes or you have geckos and carpet pythons has always been that species that you've been kind of looking at. You stumbled upon our podcast. You got maybe one or two of them now and you really kind of want to just connect. This is the time to do it. You get to see Eric's entire collection and how he sets up and keeps and breeds animals from hatchlings all the way up to adults. You get to see oh, man. all his animals in person. No You're pressure, putting pressure buddy. on no me, pressure. dude. <laughs> no pressure. I said no pressure. I said no pressure. Um, you get to see his stuff, which is like, all right, listen, I've seen pictures of exanic granites, and they're like, eh. Seeing Eric's exanic granites is like almost pushes me to want to reinvest in my life into IJs just for those animals. So – that's the difference there. And you get to meet all the breeders in your area um, that are in there. And I mean, like when I say your area, do like Josh, uh, uh, Josh is going to f- drive in from freaking Chicago again. It's like our area, my foot, like, you know, it's, if you want to come, come and, and I guarantee you'll have a good time. Yeah. I mean, shit, man, there's, oh man, let's see. What are we up to? I'm up to 30 three species of python so pretty much i got you covered man if you're interested in four because <laughs> <laughs> yeah please bring a rough tail. uh what else we got bring a what roughy a white lip um, I ha- yeah that's all uh, it's it man one. that's all we need yeah, that's it i mean um yeah roughy, white lip. yeah i don't think i bring anything else to the table <laughs> damn <it>. um, <laughs> yeah i mean it's it you know it like i said it's it's I think this year, I mean, a lot of the stuff is still young, so it's not as mm-hmm. impressive, but still, like, if you were ever interested, like, a weird one, like, again, we talked about pop ones, you know, you yeah. never seen pop ones, there you go, you ever seen an owl python, there you go, barnex, reduced pattern diamond pythons, yeah, even your tiny um, little ring pythons, dude, like, they're still at that age where they're gorgeous, you know, yeah, ring pythons, so, dwarf exactly. firms, <laughs> I don't know. No, Sri no. Python. No, no. <laughs> next, next. Uh, um, what else? Malukan scrubs, food. you know, mm-hmm. Savus, Waters, uh, Angolans. It, maybe you want to see ball pythons. I got them the too. Bumpy ball pythons. Maybe you want to see the ball pythons. <laughs> maybe you want to see the Sumatrans. Like, oh, right. man, you got rid of the, you got, gave me the corn snakes. So like, maybe you really want to see the corn snakes. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I gave you them so that you could go on from the ground up and you would have something to talk about. You know what I mean? Because I, I talked about the Python part of it. So I you got to go on and talk about that. And they've right. already booked me now, which I guess I have to pay you Oh, you're something. booked? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I heard you were booked. Oh, I really? I saw it on the YouTube like, chat. Wait, wait a minute. You know more shit than I do. <laughs> you know more, Yeah, because you know I actually listen I to their show. Oh, uh, <laughs> You know, I want to argue, but you're right. So it's like I can't. <laughs> yeah, I'm paying attention, man. So I know. yeah, it's, um, yeah, that would be cool. I I always like listening to you when you're on another show. You're, you're <laughs> it's it's always good, man. When I'm on my best behavior and like you know not like yeah. leaning back in a chair right now up against a wall. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good times. So, uh, all right, let's move on to our next topic, which is the season so far. I mean, how's it going for you so far this season? Uh, right now, I am two clutches of coastal and one clutch of jungle kind of hanging on, and then I have the clutch of Woma. So uh, we're doing okay because the two clutches of coastal were the ones that I definitely really wanted. Um, I have the super caramel bread to an exanic, so I got her clutch, which is 13 which, mm-hmm. you know, um, is small for Owen clutches, but is right around where I kind of want to keep them from now on because I've learned from six years of hearing that, you know, 33 is not a good number. <laughs> so yeah, that's not good, man. Yeah, dear God. Um, and then the second clutch actually turned out to be uh, with a bunch of slugs, um, but seven good eggs, and that's from, you remember, like, when we first started the podcast, anybody who's been listening to the archive will hear me just not shut the hell up about making caramel tigers. Like I would not stop talking about it. So, and I apologize for that. (laughs) So it's like, I finally got the one and she wasn't that stellar, but I figured, all right, I'll, I'll breed her up. I'll get her going. And I've had, she was uh, a problem feeder as a baby. She started rolling. We did really well. I moved out here. She kind of went spotty again. I paired her up with numerous males and nothing ever happened. So she's, probably uh, she's a little bit older than my other girls that have been producing and she finally had her first clutch this year so it was a caramel tiger to a caramel jag which is what i always wanted to do to kind of do the caramel tiger jag the long way around the barn and see if that like gets really nice patterns with the caramel stuff so i'm hopefully going to get uh super caramel tiger jags which i mean i like tiger jags so adding that stuff will be cool um and then the jungle clutch is the jungle clutch, uh, and then I have uh, the Womas. But I'm waiting on a few other things. Um, both of my Dominican Red Mountain Boa girls have bred with my male, uh, uh-huh. but the, it takes 90 days after their shed to see if they're, like, for babies to pop out. So I haven't even hit that yet on any of my girls. So we're waiting. Um, and then uh, I also have my Cal Kings are going to drop soon. And uh, I have possibly my bread lie, but everybody else, uh, my other two pairs of jungles are probably no go. Uh, My other, uh, my one tiger clutch might go, but then my other two um, coastal clutches are probably no go. The water pythons probably no go. Same thing with the olives and the white lips. So that's just how it is. So we'll see. So we shouldn't talk to you about breeding white lips on the tonight's episode. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why we're doing this. I can uh, tell you what I've done, and you can not do it. I mean, that's and they'll do that. 
Here's you know, what you don't, don't do. What Owen does. It's like yeah. it, it's just one of those things where I, I it, it's I have with the white lips. It's like every year something I, I try something different and it works a little bit better, or it doesn't, and I stop trying it. Like uh, last year, they were in. Uh, I put them in four foot cages together, and eh, it really didn't work out. Um, now this year, I put them in six foot cages with a big water bin that they both use. <clears throat> And they didn't immediately attempt to kill each other. So that worked out well. I made sure that they were kind of kept fed, but they never went off food, which like every time I came in there to feed, they were right up in front. So it kind of tells me that maybe I'm not getting them cold enough. So next year I'm not probably going to be as nice to them. So we'll see. So I, I guess, I, well, I'll save that theory when we get into, uh, into talking well, about white you want to go on, yeah, go on, go on your what you're doing with all your stuff because you had stuff hatching and shedding now. Yeah, so I have, um, I have uh, my my tiger uh, to GQ um, M pen poplin carpets had their first shed. Well, four of them did. Um, mm-hmm. And dude, I'm blown away. Like there's this one. I just posted them over in the chat. And um, yeah. there's this one that's in a real tight, yeah, it's in a real tight, like tight ball type of thing, yeah. like real good pose. Yeah. So the the thing that I like most about them is, and Eric Kohler kind of talked to me about this before. He said that um, the color is really, really light on these tiger IJs from that yeah. line or whatever. I guess that's yeah. because they come from the Boa Cabana, same, same mm-hmm. lineage. Um so I don't know if the GQ intensified that, you know, but there's like very thin. I'm curious to see how the black, um, yeah. you know, uh, comes in on these guys because it's very, very thin black. It's very hypo-esque type of look, lighter than any IJs that I've ever hatched. Um, so I'm curious to see. Um, that one in the tight ball, what I really dig about him is like he has these kind of spots that go down his back in the stripe, which is kind of yeah. cool. <clears throat> which is kind of neat and like, you know, just refining that stripe. So hopefully I have some other stripe that's different blood and all this kind of stuff. And really for me personally, the more and more, like when I hatch these out, um, you know, they're freaking phenomenal. And it's not that I don't like the morphs or anything like that, but I think one thing that I am going to start to phase out of my collection is Jag. I think I'm over mm-hmm. to Jag. I, I'm, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not That's that fine. I love them. They're beautiful. And I'm not going to get like, I'm selling all my Jags and get rid of them. No, I'm not saying that. Damn I'm it. just saying that <laughs> there are going to be some that I will like, I will put up for sale. And then there will be some that, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't really see like breeding them. Um, yeah anymore because I, I don't know these you these ijs and stuff they they pop out and they're freaking normal you know what i mean there's no corkscrewing right. or kinking or any of that shit and uh i don't know just selectively breeding you know like i think the idea for me is to take the pop ones or ijs whatever you want to call them um to the level um. of of <laughs> jungles you know because they haven't right. gotten any love i think coastals are the same way man and i think it has to do with the fact that you know the jag we talked about this before the jag came along and you know everybody wanted to breed it to the jag and um you know well that's that's what happened the, the worst thing that happened to carpet python 
uh, line breeding was Jag. And that once that hit, everything went kind of like sideways. So and it, it affected all things. It affected jungle and IJ, and that's just how it goes. Now again, not bashing morphs, but no, nobody was doing like when I started. It was you had tigers, you had Jag, and then you had like Tristripe, and then you had like lines. You had Michael Pennell. You had this, did that, and the other thing, and that was it. And the second Jag started kind of exploding, it didn't matter. People took that Tristripe and they bred it to a Jag. And you lost the tri-stripes or this, that, and the other thing. So, and that you can kind of see it because my one male Jag, his father was a red tri-stripe from Jason and everything from that line has complete bald backs. And they've been like the best tiger breeders. They've been best stripe breeders just because the blood's in there somewhere. So, you know, think about refining that kind of stuff. So yeah, I could totally see you doing that these tiger ijs they definitely have a lot of like they're really nice blushing kind of orange like you can see that the orange on their sides is going to be like almost like freaking fire dude it's this it's disgusting it's like that's the one that you keep talking about in that tight ball he's like you said the very very thin black but a lot of really nice rust color on like the side of his neck like near the white where his belly comes in that's just going to be like bright freaking orange yeah so I'm I'm gonna post over in the chat real quick as these guys are just taking shots at each other. But so this male <laughs> is one that I'm gonna put, and this is totally this is an F2 animal um, and still very very young. But that male with that female, dude, that's gonna be out of this world. Um, this is I. Yeah, I just put up there, and then uh, here's the other thing I wanted to. Uh, Wanted to show you real quick. You know, you just talked about tri stripes, right? I did. Dude, yeah. that tri stripe that I got from uh, you that mean. <laughs> Oh, that thing is fucking down. <laughs> I, I don't know. I gave it a thumbs down. I don't what care. <laughs> Wait, I think he changed it. <laughs> okay. All right. So Jesus. dude. You want to talk about selective breeding, right? So this yeah. this female that I got from that clutch um, yeah. Wait, do you see? Yeah, that, isn't she good looking? Holy shit, dude! That thing is insane, yeah. and it's no tiger yeah. at all, right? Or is it tiger? No, it dude, has no, tiger and um, stripe. It's got tiger and tri-stripe, but dude, that's what that's what tri-stripes were looking like when I got into it. That was because people always talk about what, how can you tell the difference between a tri-stripe and a tiger? And I always used to say that tri-stripe looks like it's going to have another stripe down the back, and tigers don't. Dude, if, and, and uh, this one, because I, I bought those animals from Kyle, and I bought them because I didn't have any babies to sell. That one came in, and I'm like, dude, if Eric doesn't want this thing, I'm going to have to re-figure out how to do a whole tri-stripe. But I know you always wanted, like, those pinstripey kind of, like, painted-on yeah. things. So I'm like, he's got to take this thing. So I really hope you get something to go with her, because that is – I do. Mean, I, dude, I don't care. Oh, she's friggin' evil. <laughs> but that's fine. Um <laughs> She uh, she's gonna go with my Peterson co- uh, stripes, which is not yeah. tiger. So that's gonna you be know, good. yeah. I think her you know, but, father. I, I think she's outcrossed Peterson stock, which is good because then you can kind of have you know. Because I think uh, I think her father. I have the information somewhere. I have to get it to you. Um, yeah, I, her, I think her father was a tiger and her mother was a Peterson stripe. So you do have some outcrossing, but you're also gonna fold back in, which could just 
intensify that kind of shit. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think of it, it reminds me of like Matt with his Borneos. I remember the one time mm-hmm. he was showing me some of the Borneo stripe stuff that he was doing, and he's like, he's up to seven stripes or something on the side of the animal. <laughs> like, holy shit, man, we got to catch up to that shit. You know? Like seven stripes. But, uh, you know, again, I, there's so much coastal stuff that I have that, you know, can be selectively bred and the IJs and then don't even, I'm not even thinking about Inlands or Darwins again. Like there's a Darwin that I have that I got, which, you know, I don't, for the life of me, I can't understand why, um, uh, what's his name sold it, but, um, I'm going to, I think I have a picture of it somewhere, but, um, I think I know the one you're talking about. It's just, it's just amazing. It's from that South African line, and um, yeah, it's from Martin, yeah, yeah. and uh, he got it, and it's just, uh, dude, I, I I had to jump on well, that. It, and that was a while ago. He'll be breeding like, next I mean, season. Like, it, it, and that's the thing. It's like nobody's really done anything with the base stuff, and and I think that is where you're going to start seeing better stuff, where it's like, all right, say I really started working hard at getting really nice just say straight coastals, bright colors, vibrant mm-hmm. patterns, this, that, and the other thing. Then I cross the jag into it. Yeah. And I started working at that. So it's like it bring bring the morphs to another to another level by enhancing the base stuff. And that's what we've always said. You know, it's, it, it, you can buy the hottest four thousand dollar jag that's out there, but if you go to a reptile show and buy the carpet python female from an aquarium you don't expect really good looking babies. So that's just how it goes, but now enhance it even further. And I would love to have it where I have a setup where I have Brisbane's, I have Rockhamptons, I have uh, Palmerson's and you know, all this other, whatever the hell. Um, and I have all the coastal um, stuff. And then I also have the line stuff like the M pens and then the morph stuff, which it kind of opens up more things that you can do. Uh, so that's what I say for Darwin seeing Darwin albinos with all the yellow and the pink and the white, you're telling me that if you really, really like just got a really intense kick-ass looking Darwin and then cross it to the albinos that you wouldn't get even better albinos out of that. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, You absolutely would. I mean, that's kind of the secret to this stuff. I mean, you know, I was just watching a, a YouTube video the other day and it was a ball Python guy, but he was talking about how, you know, this, why he makes such awesome animals is because he's like one of the, one of the people that are like selectively breeding, um, yeah. you know, uh, selectively breeding like, do oh wait, oh shit, here it is. There you go. Um, and holy shit, man, what a difference it makes. Um, it does. Totally uh-huh. does. I, dude, I, I, I've been breeding red tigers since Jason Balin came out with them. And I got a tiger female that I think is half sister to your tristep girl that you posted up. Mm-hmm. And she is perfectly striped, gorgeous red, better than anything I've ever produced. And I went to Jason and I picked up a red tiger out of his last year's clutch that were all perfectly mm-hmm. striped because I'm, mm-hmm. I want to up the game. Like I want to get really, really, really nice, perfectly striped tigers. So once they get, once they're old enough, dude, I'm going to make people dizzy when like they're coiled around each other. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy, man. You know, I'm I keep forgetting because the the girl is maternally incubating them, but I got a clutch of red tigers that are like, you know, oh, shit, going to be hatching right around Carpet Fest. And if I get anything close to what Balin got when he bred those that his pair together, mm-hmm. dude, oh my god, it's going to be it's yeah. going to be crazy. But anyway, you know, yeah. I posted up that Darwin. There's tons of selective breeding that can be done with that thing. That thing is just off the charts. Then I have another one that's very hypo-esque. And I mean, yeah. the, you know, again, it, it's not that, like I said, I'm not uh, against the whole morph thing at all. I'm still going to do that. I'm still going to have those projects in my collection. I'm just trimming it down to where, you know, it's it's more of a focus on, on the natural type of stuff. And um, then trying to cross some of the morph stuff into that to, to just right. make insane animals. Um, well, so, and you got to start somewhere. So, you know, I've, you I've amassed this collection of IJs over the years and they are finally, you know, I like to take my time. I'm not in a rush. I'm not racing anybody, but next hmm. year I started, you know, you know how I'm crazy. And I start to look at pairings like now, you know, because mm-hmm. like through the summer is when I feed up the girls. So, you know, I started looking and I'm like, holy shit, man, is this like another 20 clutch year? I can't do 20 clutches again. This is insane. <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's like picking and choosing, like, what are you going to do? Right. Like I have high orange IJs. I have pinstripe IJs. I have, uh, you know, poison Ivy stuff is ready to go. I don't know exactly which direction I'm going to go with that stuff. So who knows that might prove out next year. I mean, that may be melanistic IJs on the, on the, on the rise. And, uh, you know, I'm very male heavy in that. And I had to hold all them back because I don't want to release that if, you know what I mean? If there's something to it and it's, you know, it's so. You know know how many people are chomping at the bit for you to be like, and I have to let some of them go. I'm like, if you want to say on air, like right now, and I have to probably let at least like, I don't know, three Poison Ivy IJs go. Like, how many people would be calling you? Like, the show would probably crash because, like, people just start calling your phone or, you know, I don't know. It would be insane. But um, when it comes to your stuff, I mean, it's like, I guess maybe that you're not going to stop doing the more stuff, but maybe, like, say you had a granite IJ and you had, and he was a boy and he had these, like, three girls that were lined up to possibly go to him just to make, I don't know, granite. IJs or het granite IJs, but now you're like taking females away from him to go to other projects to like nor other IJs to make to intensify the orange or to get the stripe under control or to try to see if they're melanistic. So that's where we're kind of going is that maybe you're not going to stop doing the morph projects, just don't expect to see like six or seven of the same goddamn thing. There's going to be some right. other stuff. So yeah. Here's the here's the thing that people should think about, you know, when they're putting together projects or whatever. And this is kind of like my my train of thought is that, um, and I, and and really this came from Keith McPeak and when we were talking at Tinley and um, just the idea that you know you go to Tinley Park right and you're going to sell animals and you know there may be four or five people there with albino zebras or granite zebras or where, you know, insert morph here, whatever it is. But when you have animals that you've selectively bred for a particular look or, or trait or, you know, whatever, um, you can't really replicate that. You know what I mean? Like you, so if I'm, if I'm next to, if I'm at carpet row and there, and there's four people there with, you know, IJs because they bred 
uh, heck granite to granite or, you know, something like that, or exanic to head exanic or, you know what I mean? Just to make the morph, you know, what's going to stand out, something like that, or something that's been selectively bred for high orange or high yellow or, you know what I mean? So it, it yeah, really, you know, makes it, makes you, uh, be something different, you know what I mean? Something different than the norm. So, you know, I'm just thinking about just, and, and this is where a lot of people to me, really don't take the time to have a vision of, of where, where a project could go. Um, so take the granite, right? So the granite, you know, there was issues with the granite because it wasn't outcrossed. Right. But we've proven they had that no eyeballs. That was yeah. the problem. They had no eyeballs. <laughs> Correct. But problem. we have proven yeah. <laughs> that you can outcross and you can, yeah you can solve that problem. There was a lot of issues with yeah. females and not laying eggs and being egg bound and all that. But both me and Nick this season, you know, cause I used his, um, his outcross granite. Uh, I had a female, uh, whole clutch of eggs, no issues, no problems, solid, as, solid as a rock. You know, I have one of the original granites that I got back in 09. That's a male. That thing is, uh, you would swear that it's part jag, um, the way yeah. it moves around and, you know, whatever. Uh, can't get it to breed worth shit, you know, whatever. But here's the idea. So I'm just thinking, like, think of a melanistic, even if poison ivy doesn't prove out or anything like that. Let's just, let's just for sake of argument, say, you know, she, you're breeding towards a, a high melanistic animal. Now, right. if I were to cross that into granite, I would be able to replicate that granite zebra look, right? Yeah. So the hope is, you know, that, you know, dark, I'm thinking of yeah. Don Patterson's high black granite zebra thing. Yeah, I'm thinking of yeah. like, uh, you know, Todd and Kerry's hot, you know what I mean? So yeah. trying to replicate that look, but still being just a pop one carpet python. Um, I think about, you know, again, with granites and you're looking at caramel granites, why can't you go, uh, the other day, uh, the other way and, um, you know, uh, have a high yellow granite. Yeah, I remember I back, a... yeah, back in the day, like Luke Snell, who a lot of people probably don't know that are new to carpets, but back in the day, he was sort of the IJ guy. Um, he was a big mentor for me personally. Uh, he kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me some things. And, you know, I got to a lot of animals from him and like, you know, he was the first guy that invited me into his collection that was, you know, uh, carpet, you know, besides you, Owen, obviously, but well, like, I mean, dude, I had <laughs> you like know what I mean? Six, all right. Like that didn't no. Yeah. there was no collection. Well, he, there was like four of them. Okay. But he actually had like ages and said, yeah, come on. Right. The other thing is, and you're talking about Luke, and you also Anthony Alpinetto had a silvery one. So it's like they they were that's where we were headed, and then everything kind of just stopped and sure. got mixed in with Jags, and you know. Which but, again, uh, I, again, please, 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 please don't think that I'm bashing on Jags because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all. I'm just trying to do <laughs> what uh, I, you know how it's five minutes. God damn it, man. Somebody's going to twist my words around. I know it. I'm going to get messages tomorrow saying that, oh, my God, Eric was son of a bitch. yesterday. Blah, blah, blah. I can't believe that hypocrite <laughs> son of a bitch. You know? <laughs> Look, man, I'm not saying that at all. What uh. I'm saying is that I'm, I, for me personally right now, this is kind of where 
the direction of my collection has, is going. And, and then, and then on top of that, working with just all these different species of pythons, dude, it's, it's freaking mm. incredible. It's like, it's like oh, having a I zoo in your own house. You know what I mean? It's no, like, no, I'm not. better than I'm, I'm, I have more, sh- I have more variety of shit in my house than most zoos do in their reptile house. So, you know, come on. It, right. And it is the most fun. And, and dude, I'm always chasing the, you know, I want to get the other than Morelia to breed. Like, if you think I'm fawning over the super caramel eggs, like, dude, I counted them, I put them in the egg box, and I put them over there. Because they're fine. I know they're fine. I had them the Woma eggs today. You had the Woma eggs today? What? Ask me how many times I checked on the Woma eggs today. Oh, all day, right? At least three times. At least I checked on the Woma eggs today. Because... That's what I want, and that's what I I, I kind of want to I want to check that box. I want to be like, and now I've bred Wilmas, so, and I want to move on with that till I get to the point where they're breeding on their own. I have to put too much work into them, and I want to be able to do that. And I want to start working on some of the more off the cuff species: the Timors, the Max, the Savus, the Water Pythons, the White Lips, the Ruffies in uh, next year. So it's like all that stuff. So it, it is more fun that way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff to do, man. And and I'm kind of with mm-hmm. you, man. It's like, it's, you know, the closer and closer I get to breeding other things besides carpets and, and just getting feel for what it's like to breed something else besides a carpet python, you know, um, is, is going to be friggin' cool. Yeah. I just posted up poison ivy. Somebody asked me to post her up. So I posted her up. Unfortunately she died, but, I do have her entire clutch. Uh, um, <laughs> All of them. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot, man. It's a lot to have. Well, all those babies, I've seen know? them, so. and, and it's, I've seen them progressing, and it's kind of cool. I haven't seen them in a while, so I do definitely want to see them. At Dude, they're dark, day. man. <laughs> Dude, every time I saw them, like, they hatched, and you were like, well, they're kind of looking a little dark. I'm like, it's kind of a bummer. You know, I was really kind of expecting... A lot, yeah, I was kind like, of bummed when they hatched out, yeah. man. I was like, I'm expecting an all-black carpet. I'm like, yes. Exactly. But here's the thing, just so everybody understands with these babies, what I did was is that I didn't want to breed it to another high melanistic animal because I didn't want – I wanted to be able to prove out uh, that it's either something or not. So I bred her to a very – I bred her to a GQIJ which mm-hmm. is going in the complete opposite direction. The so, shit you could find, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, I mean, it was a beautiful, uh, you know, carpet python and high yellow and completely opposite of what she was. But the idea was, is that I didn't want it to be, I wanted to be able to prove it out. And that's kind of the thing mm-hmm. I think that sometimes people, you know, don't necessarily follow. They're not, you know, not trying to prove something out. They're just trying to replicate it. So the idea would be is that you would breed it to, you know, um, breed it to, uh, you know, a high melanistic animal of some sort. And uh, I'm glad that I went that way because it would have, I, I don't know, it might've been more difficult to, to show. I'm trying to see if I have a picture of one of her babies, but I think this is the only well, one they- I have. The good thing about the babies is they did come out looking like normal IJs, and then over time, like, it's almost like they kept getting attacked with, like, ink. Like, it was just spreading. They had a little bit of black on their head, and all of a sudden, eventually, the entire top of their head was black. 
their sides would just start kind of like almost bleeding through their spine and the black just kind of overtook. It was very, you know, it was very cool to kind of watch the progression of, and that's kind of what makes it hit the home is that that was a good idea to go that different direction. If you can breed the exact opposite together and get something that looks like the parent, it's got to be something to it. So, yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know if these are the same animal, but when the poison ivy babies hatched out, they looked like, mm. um, this, which is your yep. sort of normal looking IJ. Um, yep. and, but, the, but you have all the black on the head, but, what started to happen is is that as they progressed, which shit, I think I lost the picture. As they progressed, they just kept adding melanin. Mm-hmm. So you can see the difference. So see how the, the saddles are tightening up? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and what had happened, just, just so everybody knows the history with that clutch. So I had bought her from a guy um who had her and the first year he had her, he produced um he bred her to a jag. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> As we talk about Jags. Um we're but he not, her to a Jag. We're, we're not <laughs> We like Jags, we promise. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So uh so what had happened and you can kind of see on, on this one's head, the second picture, how how the head is just filling in black and black and more black as opposed to like that that section is just getting smaller and smaller. But anyway, um what had happened is uh, I had been, I bought that IJ, I posted it up. I was breeding it the one year and a guy named Jake Milbrat contacted me. And mm-hmm. for those who don't know, Jake used to do carpets and IJs in particular. He was into uh, jungles in particular, I think like really big time. And he had a high melanistic jungle project and he was trying to put together a high melanistic IJ project. And right. what, what he had, what he did was he had got these uh, imports that were, I don't know if I have the picture somewhere, but he had got these um, imports in. And uh, I guess after the show, what I'll do is I'll put together show notes and I'll, I'll show the whole thing so that everybody can see it. Um, anyway, uh, he had put together the, this pair and they produced, you know, he thought he was going to get melanistic IJs because these animals were dark, like they were dark. And, um, he produced the clutch and they all looked normal. They all looked normal. So he sold them off. He sold them to uh, Anthony Caponetto and that's kind of how I got them in a roundabout way. But um, right. Anthony Caponetto sort of held on to them and then he, uh, he kind of, uh, uh, I guess he sold the group. So now I was able to trace my girl back and, and get the lineage and everything. But there is about four people that have animals that look very, very similar to poison Ivy. Right. And I would almost bet, I would bet my dollar that they're from the same clutch. So what I think is going on, and this is what me and Zach used to speculate all the time is that it's sort of like the IMG gene in, um, in, in uh, boas that maybe as they age, the melanin increases. Um, And then, I'm curious to see what happens when I breed two of those babies together. We'll see. Would it be a all melanistic carpet python? You've seen it in Darwin's. They have it down in Australia. Yeah, they do. So I've never been able to see what a, um, I've never been able to see an actual, um, just straight, um, 
what those hets would look like. Cause I believe that it's recessive with that. Uh, I think it's the, what is it? The black princess or something they call it. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something. Anyway, it, it looked very similar to, uh, and I know another person that has another melanistic Darwin project in Australia. And so I know it's down there. I know people are working with it. That's something completely different. So the idea mm-hmm. is, is that, yeah, you could have a melanistic carpet Python. So I, I don't know. We'll see. So, that's kind of that project, which is, you know, for a long time, that sort of was the highlight of my IJ project because, you know, I'm growing up all these other, other IJs, but, um, dude, I have high orange, you know, striped, yeah. new bloodlines, uh, you know, all kinds of different stuff, high white, high yellow, um, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Pick, so pick a color. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's always was the thing that in, it, that like pulled me towards IJs instead of jungles. Like with jungles, you have two colors. You have yellow and black. With IJs, you have, you know, more things that you can play with. And, you know, I just said, oh, well, if I want to selectively breed, I think this is the way to go. And the, the fact that nobody was really doing it was, was pretty awesome. What really mm-hmm. in particular attracted me to, and, you know, if you look at my taste in snakes and pythons, you know, in Borneos, um, in Burmese, they all sort of have that type of tricolor type of thing going on. And it's kind of like what draws me to pythons in particular, you know? So yeah. anyway, that's kind of the idea. That's kind of where my collection has, has been going. You know, it's so funny though. I was listening back to the white lip, which we got to start talking about soon. I was listening to the white lip, uh, (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> everybody was tuning in to hear White Lip talk. We're talking about yeah, we our project. Up, yeah. <laughs> well, we got plenty of time, man. There's nobody coming on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, I, I just nobody was really working with them. And I was just like, oh, man, this this would be something that, you know, I could really take the time to refine and, and really try to work on these different looks and, and stuff. But, you know, um that's kind of the plan. We'll see how it goes. You know, I'm pretty happy with just one season, how, you know, this season, how the babies are turning out already. So I can only imagine when I'm really working with some, some amazing animals, how, how it's really going to pan out. Uh, so I don't know. You know and, and I will admit that when you get like, cause dude, at, at this point, um, two of the females that I bred this year, I hatched um, from, and I raised their parents from hatchlings. So it's like when you start getting into like generations deep and stuff, it's really start getting pretty freaking cool. I mean, uh, last year I bred my super caramel that I produced to the Xanic and I have those babies that I'm raising up to breed for future breeders, but I raised my original caramels up from hatchlings. So it's like when you start getting into it, you really start seeing the progression of the line and you kind of can maybe twist it and turn it and see where it goes. So, it's going to be really cool for you to kind of like, you know, a couple of years down the road when the tiger IJs that are sitting in front of you are full grown adults, just trying to see what you can do with them and take them to the next level. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So there you go. Um, so I'm going to, I got, so our, oh shit, what happened to my show notes? <laughs> You didn't. Oh, my God. Oh, there they are. No, I got him. I got him. So we were kind of talking about um, white lips thinking that they should be in Bothro Chillis 
um, with the ring pythons. And um, we were kind of like taken back when, you know, in the new book, uh, trying to figure out why the Barkers placed them in Leo Python. Um, yes. And I don't, I'm not a taxonomist. I'm an attack. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't study taxonomy. Neither am I. I can't, yeah. I can't even freaking talk. Uh, but um, so I'm just going by what I see. And I know that that's mm. really not what you can go by. But um, so Warren Booth had, had reached out to me and he sent me an email and I, I figured I would just kind of read it. And then, uh, you know, so we could get a base there and then we're going to just jump into, uh, you know, some different things about them and talk about, you know, your breeding and I'll give you my thoughts on how I would do it like and how rope. I'm going to approach yeah. springs and <laughs> blah, 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 So it said, right. uh, gotcha. I heard you. I heard you guys were talking about white lips and ring pythons on the last show and the question as to where they fit in in python phylogeny. I hope I said that right. I was curious to see Dave (laughs) place them in Leo Python in the recent book, given the strength of the molecular data presented by Reynolds in his 2014 paper revising boa and python phylogeny. Looking at the paper that Dave based his classification on, it was a paper by Wolf. Shep, who based his classification on one mitochondrial gene and one morphological and morphological features. The molecular work mm-hmm. used only outgroup comparisons of Similia amethystina. So while the morphological data will allow comparisons to be made along the samples of white lip, the molecular work was insufficient to truly classify it to the genus. So going forward, Graham, Graham Reynolds' paper, he used multiple mitochondrial and multiple nuclear genes to make his classification. That work is extremely solid, the most comprehensive to date, in fact. He, is, he and his co-authors found that white-lipped groups and ring that white lip groups with ring pythons. This is the okay, phylogeny so. that was generated. Realize that this is devoid of personal bias. It's purely based on how divergent the genes are from each other. Oh, so the first one was they tested against amethystinas. So what, scrubs? And then the other one I they think tested they... a bunch of shit, and then they said that they should go in with ring pythons. Well, I think it's just the, so I, th- I, I think when Nick was talking about this and I think also I, th- I'm pretty sure that Warren was talking about this also, like when, yeah. when they do this and they try to figure out, you know, how, how they fit with each other. And I'm, I think Scott has brought this up as well. Um, Scott Eber in Australia. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, talking about like if they're only doing one gene how the how that's not enough uh no it's not enough to truly classify it into the genus so when they did the other work basically they used uh, multiple you know nuclear genes and mitochondrial uh and multiple nuclear genes to make this classification so you know they found it to be with ring pythons now I don't know. Oh, and you've had both. You've had both yes. ring pythons and you've had both and you have white lips. I mean, yes. you can clearly see that they're very closely, you know, they, they look throw you very off. similar. Yes. 
Yeah. They, they, the ring python throw you off because of the way that they're colored. But if you get mm-hmm. right in there, it's a goddamn white lip with different colors. The, the, the head shape is right on. It, it, that's pretty much what you're looking at. And to being told now that the more research and the more mitochondrial study links them together, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sold. You're telling me that it's like they, they base it off of and I, and I hate that there's no basis. It's like, you know, whatever this author feels he really wants to go for, you know, it's like it, 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 it's whatever. But I would definitely classify them directly uh, with white lips. And I do feel that they act the same way. And also that their enclosures are pretty close on. Uh, I would keep them both the exact same way. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it's kind of cool that I do have the ring pythons and I'm working with them that it kind of gives me some, some, some idea of how I would keep white lip pythons. So I listened back to the show with Ryan Young and uh, when Ryan Young came on to talk about white lip pythons and he, he said on that episode that clearly, you know, he said that he thinks that they're in Bothrochilis. Um I agree. You know. And some people don't see it that way, and that's where <laughs> that's where taxonomy really, you know, that's why people get all crazy and shit. And you know, uh, it's kind of it's kind of the same idea what they did with, uh, you know, putting um, Poplin carpets with uh, Darwin carpets, you know, which we talked about last week. Uh, also, to me, I think that was just a. It's more political than it is, uh, you know, anything and, and, and else. And I get why, but holy getting- shit. You start getting political stuff or disagreements or, you know, personal things in with the scientific part of it, you're doing it wrong. You know, I I really hate to break to everybody. What you believe does not matter to science. Science is a (laughs) bitch, right? It doesn't care if you don't believe in gravity. If you walk off of my back deck, you will plummet to the ground. Why? Science. So it doesn't I, – I don't care if you hate the guy that figured out that these are separate things. I get it. And I also hate the fact that he may have named it after himself, his father, or his dog. We got it. But it doesn't mean you can totally ignore it because you hate the guy. He was correct. Right. Sorry. You right. know, if you're going to be pissed about anything, be pissed at yourselves that you didn't figure it out first. So right. there you go. Don't say his name or he'll show up. Don't say his name. I, I was very careful. I was very yes, we good. Three, but I was he might call careful. in. Maybe he's the one that's that been will, cranking us that all these. Never, years. That'll never happen. <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't think I can contain myself. But, oh man, um, that would be great. Um, anyway, so, why do you hate so science and what are you doing to us? It's like yeah, that <laughs> right. would be the first question. Um, right. But um, and that's just the thing. So I, I would definitely put white lips in Bothochillus. I have them listed as Bothochillus on my website. I'm not going to change it. I don't care. And I also am not going to scream at all. Everybody else on the planet calls them Leo Python. I feel and I I that that has them linked with Bothochillus. So yes. Um, as far as ring pythons go, I would keep them the exact same way as white lips. If you had hatchling white lips, I would say keep them just like your ring pythons and you'll be golden. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I- I'm with you. And, um, you know, 
White Lips, to me, have always been one of those ones. So if you listen back to that Ryan Young show, it was like, ah, no, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever get in the White Lips or whatever. <laughs> you know, um, I love the snakes. I think they're awesome. You know, it was just one of those things where I just, again, you know, and this comes back to what I was talking about earlier and like, you know, my collection and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to make room for some white lips and try to breed them and, you know, uh, something's got to go, you know, you can only have so much space. So, uh, so anyway, the, you know, the cool thing about the book uh, that came out is that now there's, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other, white lips most of them have uh, are have never been some of them don't even have like real pictures other than the uh the specimen the original specimen you know um yeah and that was there was a paper making rounds a couple years ago that had all those white lips in it so i mean we we had this over and i mean like and there were artist renditions as well as photos like that um and there's like a kind of like a grayish one. There's one with a different kind of a, a scalation on the head. And then of course there's the red one and it's like, holy crap. So seeing all those different kind of white lips, it's like, there hasn't been too much. And the, my big thing is that if you're going off of what the color of an animal is, that's been sitting in a jar for a numerous amount of years, you, you can't do that because you don't know, how it was uh, prepared. You don't know what it's been sitting into. You don't know how those things bleach out. You know, it's putting an animal uh, as a guy who's actually put wet specimens together. Mm -hmm. You have the second, the specimen goes in the jar. That is the best. It will look forever, regardless of what it's floating in, regardless of what you do to it, Mm -hmm. it will bleach out. There will be, you know, light will hit it, you know, something will happen. So you can't sit there and say that, oh, yes, they're all bright red. You don't know. And then all of a sudden a red one appears on King Snake, and I'm like, well, what the hell is this? So it's – Notice we haven't it, seen that ever things. again, so. <laughs> it's up there. I think the, boy, if, the boy is still up there. Is it? No it, shit. No, there, there, was the video, there was the video like a year ago with some guy mm-hmm. with a red white lip. Like an adult, yeah, and people are losing their freaking minds. But I'm talking about that SNS down in Texas has a baby red phase male white lip on King Snake and on their website for sale currently. Wow. Okay. Yes. So, and I have no freaking idea what it is because not only is the red color that throws me off, but it has white on its head where I've never seen white on a white lip before. So, and, and, and the only information I've got is that it was a farm bred animal and that they have more in the farm that could potentially be coming next year. So buy right. the boy and then we'll hook you over the girl. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that's <laughs> all right. I've done this song and dance before. Now right. I will also say that I've purchased white lips from SNS before, and I've been very happy with every single white lip that I've ever gotten from them. So, mm-hmm. They're good people. They, 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 I don't. I don't think this is a white lip that sat in Nevada Kool Aid for a week and a half. <laughs> what it, what it is though, I have no freaking idea. I don't know if it's this red faced white lip that we're talking about. Um, I don't know if it's a new mo- color morph or mutation of gold or black. I don't know. I don't know if it's the coveted what happens when you mix a gold and a black together because if that's what it was, I should have done that freaking years ago. But it's, <laughs> I don't know. But what, what I would say is interesting is, 
Exactly. exactly. Scott Borden um, just threw you, his beer against the he, wall. I know. He dude. just, he just, threw, he, he just he, straight up slammed it. His husky ran across the room. <laughs> he, he just ran out of his house. His wife doesn't know what he's doing. He's getting in his car and he's driving here furiously right now. So <laughs> I, have only on a, I, have, I have several hours before he gets here, but he's coming. But um, <laughs> it's the funny thing is that if you look at black face, white lips, they have no white near their eyes which mm-hmm. red face white lip do. They have like two or three scales around their eyes. This red face white lip has the white around its eyes, but then it also has a little white further back beyond its eyes, kind of closer to where it's like, I don't know, jaw light would be. And it's like, well, what the, what is that? Is that right. just a random white scale? It, it's weird stuff. And you kind of get into this weird kind of crap. So I would right. be very excited to see these different types of white lips to come in. I would love to get more crap pouring in, it means I would probably get rid of all my carpet pythons. So (laughs) unfortunate for that crap, but I would love to see that kind of stuff. So hopefully this is true. And hopefully next year um, we see a bunch more red ones. If let me put this way, if there was a pair of red face, white lips on King snake, there would be a pair of red face, white lips at Owen's house. So that's just the fact that there's a lone male is the only reason it's still there. So, So where do white lips fall in on your scale of like your favorite pythons? If you go back to the first episode where we did mm-hmm. this fiasco and you asked me what would be the snake that I would want to add to my collection, I said blackface white lip. Mm-hmm. You know, that that they're up there with me. I mean, you, you have chondro heads get excited about uh, you know, that those dragon looking uh chondros, you know. White lips do that. They're they're, they're my evil dragon like creatures. The, the I remember in college I went to go visit Chris uh, Chris Foley who was my roommate. And anybody who hasn't really figured that out, he's a scrub breeder. But he had a couple snakes in college, and I had no snakes. Like he was the one who got me into it. So we go over to his house, and he had two or three black faced white lip mean suckers. He opens up this bin, and it was like a pull slot forty one quart that he made himself that had like a hinged lid. So he pulls it out, opens the lid and this jet black kind of the iridescent hits it. It comes up and it rears and it slides out of the cage and hits the floor and is sitting up with its mouth open. And I'm like, done. I love this thing. I I want it. (laughs) It's like, that's all I want now. So from then on, you know, white lips have just been my thing. So uh, it definitely kills me that I don't have any black face at the moment. Chris has, uh, a pair of black face and a trio of gold face that he and I kind of are in the in stuff together. And then I have a pair of gold face white lip here. So it's kind of like, I haven't gotten black face cause I know Chris has them. It's kind of like how I haven't gotten ring pythons cause I know you got them. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, like <laughs> it's that kind of crap. So it kills me not having the black face, but you know, they, they're, they're there, but I do love my gold face as much as they piss me off sometimes. But, um, I would definitely, uh, I definitely want them. So, so the the uh, southern ones, the the blacks, are the ones yeah. that are harder to breed, right? That's the thing is, like I've heard, like Ryan has had more success with southerns than he has with golds. So it's kind of like it's a crapshoot. It's like either you're good with one or you're good with other. I've never met somebody who's fantastic with both. So it's like, I don't know. And unfortunately with these guys is that everybody has 
a secret way. You know, uh, Stephen Tillis told me keep them small. Somebody else told me make them big. It's like that's that's how it goes. Somebody else says keep them cold. Somebody well, else says keep them warm. So. So the more and more that I think, you know, just working with different pythons and whatnot, and the the more and more that I, I'm kind of like looking at things, I think, just my opinion, mm-hmm. is that the reason, and I've said this before, but it just it just drills into my head over and over and over again. I think the problem with these, you know, species that haven't re- been readily bred in captivity is is that everybody wants to breed them and they're constantly changing what they do. And I think to me, that is the kiss of death because I think with these species in particular, I think that for one, they're already, you know, high strung or, you know, sensitive or stressed out easily or however you want to put it. I think that, you know, you have that issue. Um, and then when you're constantly tinkering with them, like, and I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, well, maybe, you know, I noticed that she seemed to swell and build follicles in September instead of, you know, in July or something. You know what I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. talking about that. What I'm talking about is, is that, you know, you see it with, you see it with Bolins, you see it with scrubs, you see it with, and we're all guilty of it because we're trying to figure it out. But I think what we do is we end up actually making it worse for ourselves because what we're doing is we're constantly changing what they've become comfortable with. So they become comfortable with, I I think like, you know, and I've talked to Ryan about this a lot um, over, over the years is that, and I think this is why he has success. And I think this is why guys like Tillison have success. And we always bump our head because we're always thinking, well, they didn't cool or right. they didn't, you know, missed. And this one didn't drop the temps and this one fed it and this one cycle fed and this one went by, you know, uh, light cycles and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has anything other than to do with whatever they're doing. They're just doing it consistently. And what happens right. is they just fall into the rhythm. You know, if you listen back to Ryan's show when he was talking about it, he couldn't breed them for the longest time. And, you know, all of a sudden, rather than him trying to change what she did, she eventually came around and did what the rhythm of his room did. You know, right. but and I that think is- that everybody's just in a rush to produce, you know, to be the person that produces, you know, blah, blah, blah. What, yeah. It's like, you know, I oh, I produce. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think we like, do more damage than we do uh you know in in the long run. Uh it 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 actually ends up being worse than um for 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 those animals. I mean, you're completely correct. And where I think where where the success is going to be is like dude like right now with these pair of white lips that I have here, the big guys. You know, right. uh, they came to me as adults. Now they're kind right. of born they don't act like it. Um, but they came to me as adults, and I've tried to keep everything like they have mulched cages, they have holes, and then I only combine them into one of my six footers. I literally dig out the mulch from their cage and line the six foot cage with it so that everything smells the same, and I just give them a bigger water bowl so they can share it. Right. The temps are the same, the computer system same. Now, where I screwed up this year is the computer system is running their cage and an olive python cage. The probes were not as as fixed as I wanted them to, so they kept fucking with them and kept spiking their cages up temperature-wise. So that Mm -hmm. had been corrected. 
So next year, I'm hoping to have a little bit better of a shot. But again, the thing is like they because the female was just wanting food so badly that I'm pretty sure the male took a couple hits. So obviously, I got to get her into some kind of a different mood. So hopefully next year they're kind of they cool down a little bit more. They don't spike up a little bit higher and into that rhythm. But you're exactly correct. They don't. I'm not trying to do this kind of a thing where I'm trying to. You don't screw them. You don't add something new every year because then they get stressed out, freaked out over what you just added. Um, and I think we're, we're going to have the more successes is that the captive boards that have been raised alongside their pythons their entire lives and don't change hands. Like, I had that trio of captive born and gold-faced whitelip that I got, and I built mm-hmm. up. And I let Chris take under the guise of that they would never move again. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I also know how Chris keeps, and he keeps the exact same way I do. So mm-hmm. and they're 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 flourishing. They're doing great. We noticed a bunch of shit out of one of the females this year. She swelled up. She changed color. She went from like mm-hmm. turned like bright freaking gold and then turned dark as hell. So we're like, okay. So mm-hmm. like we're getting there, and she's right on the edge of being breathing. I think what you see a lot more, the problem is that I see is people buy these animals and mm-hmm. it's not a ball python. It's not even a carpet python. It's a white lip. And they buy these animals, they buy these captive born breads, and they raise them up and they get to a point and they try to breed them and no eggs happen. They get frustrated and they sell them. And then the second you do that, those two animals are useless in the breeding pool. You know, it, it, they, they aren't going to happen. Just, it's not going to work. I mean, somebody might fiddle and somebody might get lucky and run into one once, but you're never going to get the consistency. I think it's the a lot of these species is they need to be raised up as babies in pretty much the same conditions their entire lives, and then they will you'll have success. Um, and that's what I kind of want to do. That's why Chris bought baby black faced white lips. That's why we had, we had a ton of black faced white lips and gold faced white lips, and we phased out all of them because they were all wild caught this and this that and the other thing so we could get the younger ones and raise them up the way we wanted to and that's what right. we're doing right now so uh i had uh the only but i will say that the only time i ever got a lock out of my adult gold phase down here is probably a month or two after i got them i threw them together and they locked up but then nothing happened so i will be watching her closely this year and I'm kind of going to wait because if she swells up, he's going in with her. I don't care if it's middle of freaking August. Like, I, like, that's what I'm looking for for now. Right. Um, I'm probably going to pull them apart soon because, uh, you know, she has been biting him on the head. And that's mm-hmm. always dangerous. Um, but we'll just see. I, I, I just got to get her to chill. And she may never chill out. But these two are really just something I'm experimenting with. My money's all on the the captive born and bred trio, especially because the one girl in that trio was actually born at a friend's house like 20 minutes away. So Mm -hmm. she was born and raised in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So it's like, done. (laughs) It's like, okay, I got an animal that's lived in Pennsylvania its entire life. So, okay, I got it. So we'll see. Well, I mean – you know, me and you both over the years, I, I know, well, maybe, I, yeah, I guess you too, but m- I can speak for myself is that like, 
you know, that's why I never had any success with scrubs. It's just like I would get them and then I would sell them. I would get them and I would sell them and I would get them and I would sell them. And they just keep getting passed around from, from me to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else. And then, you know, they're not going to breed because, you know, if you listen to the Barkers, which I think that they are pretty knowledgeable when it comes to breeding pythons, they may be, you know, one of the things that, I heard on that show with Ryan was I think they were up to like 34 species of pythons that they bred. So that's, that's pretty impressive to be able to do that and so many different species and have success. So I'm going to listen to somebody like that. And you know what they, what they said is that, and this was uh, when, you know, somebody was asking them about breeding Halmahar scrubs and it's just basically like get them as young as you can. Yeah. You know, if you're going to go to, you know, especially with something like that, you have, you don't have a choice. You have to go wild caught because they haven't been bred in captivity yet, but you get them as young as you can and just be consistent and just stay with it. It's probably going to be six years. It might be eight years, you know what I mean? But eventually, hopefully they'll come around and they'll produce for you, you know, and then, and then you're working with, you know, captive born and bred, which turns out to be a little bit easier and each generation you know will be easier than the one before to breed we've seen it with so many species of pythons you've seen it with ball pythons you've seen it with retics you've seen it with you know um i don't know i even carpet pythons you know uh were like that at one point but you know just these these species of pythons that people can't crack i i'm i'm i don't want to speak say this but i think even short tails were like that as well yeah. you know they were they were like real aggressive and you know uh you know and now not like that at all you know yeah, and it's I just mean, that captive breeding that that has done it so the reason that i asked if the southerns were more difficult for or maybe they're the ones that are more sought after you know they're the ones that are very rainforest dependent yeah you know yeah, and well, they I come from preference and it's just one of those things where you know i, I kind of feel like the southerns would I, I feel if it's an all it's all black for a reason it's because it's got to warm up quick because there's very little sun and it gets cold so that's why right. i feel like they would be a little bit more difficult and then you know ryan was saying about how the northern ones are less uh dependent on um you know a habitat you know they're from a more sort of diverse type of habitat where the southerns are more from, uh, like I said, the rainforest, closed canopy type of uh, environment. And, you know, they kind of react to that, you know. So the one thing, and this is sort of the same, we'll talk about maybe your setups and I'll talk about mine with the, the rings and stuff. And um, But the one thing that I would say with white lips and with uh, ring pythons is they can't ever not have water. You no. just, you cannot not have water. They will die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will be dead. Yeah. Especially babies or hatchlings. I mean, they're just oh, yeah. fragile. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I'll give you an example. And this is why you've heard me say a thousand times on the show that, um, that, uh, that, you know, carpet pythons are bulletproof because, you know, if you don't have water, not that you should, and don't mm-hmm. again, don't twist my words. But not that you should, but um, if you forget to give fresh water and you go on vacation for a week and you come back and the water bowl's dry, right? Yes. Carpet python will be fine. No problem. Ring python, white lip, they'll be dead. Dried up dead. 
like husk of a like dried seahorse you buy at a uh, seashore stand. Like they, they, yeah, they need the water. Um, to the point where uh, when the white lips, when my white lips are separated, they have litter boxes, like cat litter boxes, as their water bowls that they can both individually curl up into. And then when they're together, they have one of those like triple XL litter pans that is mm-hmm. like almost like one of those cement mix things that they can both actually get into at the same time. And they're uh, some of my only snakes that are actually kept on mulch uh, year round because if it gets because uh, I can spray down and miss the mulch. And that's the other thing is that with a white lip, if if you want them to have a good shed, the second they turn blue, you soak the cage. I mean, you just missed everything. And then they'll shed out right. It'll still be in pieces, but you won't be trying to pick an eye cap off of a really pissed off six-foot python. So, you know, that's bad. Um, uh, it's just kind of that that's the way it works. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh so let me ask this question when it comes to temperatures and stuff. Like what's your dial in for your white lips? I'm sorry, what was that? When when we're talking temperature and stuff, like where do you dial it in for your white lips? Same as carpet python. It's, you know, it they they have a, a they have heat panels in their cages that get up to uh that are set for 84 on a herbstat system mm-hmm. and then the room itself is around 80 82. So that's it. Yeah, that's kind of kind of the same thing that. Yeah, it's it's kind of pretty much how I do. uh, You know, so what I did. Well, my ring pythons are still very very small, right? So what Mm -hmm. I did is I just sort of took some sphagnum moss and I just kind of put it in a hide, and I kind of made like a moist hide type of deal. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. But same. same type of deal, more of an ambient temperature type of deal. Um, I mean, they do have a hot spot, but you know, it's not, it's not really well, that. Uh, we're also talking your babies are in a rack. Mine are in a four foot cage or six foot cage. And right. uh, you know, it's just kind of the way it goes. Now um, I will say in the six foot cage, they have the big heat panel because it's a mm-hmm. six-foot cage, and the last thing I want is for anybody not to have access to the hot spots or, you know, to the heat. Um, right. When it when it comes to them, uh, I'll have mulch in their uh, cypress mulch throughout their entire cage, as well as cypress mulch inside their hide boxes. And I actually started to put cypress mulch in every single python hide that I have, carpet okay. python and everything, just because something for them to go on to it's if they're having a rough shed i just spray down the mulch not the snake and they can go in there it's one of those things so that's just my personal preference um when it comes to setting up babies i have kept baby white lips on paper but i will Uh also include like that humidity hide that you were just talking about with the Uh cypress mulch or the sphagnum moss right uh, for them to go into and then a a, a little bit of a larger water bowl Mm -hmm. than i would supply a carpet python um, and it's actually the, that's the same way I've done my Timor pythons. It's the same way I'm doing my Madagascan hognos. Um, so it's pretty much right in on that. Cool. All right. Um, so yeah, we talk about high humidity when they're shedding and listening back to Ryan's show. And, uh, so one of his approaches was, is that he gets a five gallon bucket. And he just kind of cuts the top, like cuts it in half. 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he fills it up with water and puts it in their cage. And that's how he sort of gets that uh, humidity in the good shed. Now, have you had situations where the shed bad that would make you want to just like spray the cage down? Yes. Uh, that was like in the beginning when they would have uh, some bad sheds. It was usually like this one black phase that we had would just have horrible sheds. So mm-hmm. it, it, we just increased the size of the water bowls. And mm-hmm. a white a white lip will love to soak in water. Like they 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 just do it. I sent you a picture this year of both my golds like sitting in the water. Like that was five seconds after they got into the cage and got access to that big pool. They were both mm-hmm. in. and in the in that cage they both had multiple sheds and mm-hmm. nobody had a problem because they would just soak in the water day or two leading up to the shed. So now that they're going back into the smaller cages, I kind of just got to keep an eye on them. Um, but they will use those litter pans that I have in their, in their smaller cages and their single cages. Uh, and we don't really have too many problems, but I have had a few that I had to, you know, go and peel an eye cap off of, or they had these rough dry sheds. So, you know, uh, we've talked about it numerous times. I had a hose attached into my snake room for filling up water bowls and the nozzle I have on it has a mist nozzle so uh-huh. turn it on warm and i just spray down the cage or spray down the animals they legitimately will lay there when they're being misted and they actually almost look like they enjoy it and they right. also like they, they will soak so they'll take care of themselves you just got to give them the tools to to do it right okay cool yeah so what you know, let's talk a little bit about like your, we kind of hit on this a little bit, but what's your breeding strategy with these guys? Like, what do you think is going to be the key to unlocking the species for you? I think what's going to end up, what it's going to end up being is a few things. I think obviously getting the computers dialed in properly next year is really going to help because I also mm-hmm. think that's partially why I didn't get olive pythons because the cages sit on top of each other. And there were mm-hmm. moments where the white lips had moved the probe so much that the cages spiked into the 90s. And it's like, guys, so, you know, it's just the way it goes. Um, mm-hmm. But that's going to help. I think what's gonna really going to end up doing it as uh, the temperature is obviously getting them down to the right level to the point where the female ovulates, the female cycles. Um, I don't think she did it this year. I think she was just all gung-ho about food and, they were getting along for a little bit, but now they're kind of not. It's just going to be one of those things. Um, I used to believe heavily into the compatibility of pairs where they needed to be compatible with each other. And mm-hmm. that might either be that either that's extremely true or it's a bunch of bullshit. I haven't decided yet um, <laughs> where it just kind of feels like, I also feel like that if the female is the aggressor, it's fun of that. Uh, White lips had two settings. Either, you know, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to run for my goddamn life. And right. you flip a coin and that's what this white lip is going to be. It's either going to be I'm going to kill you or I'm going to run for my goddamn life. So mm-hmm. when you have a female that's the aggressor, the male's going to run for its goddamn life. You're never going to get any X. So it's kind of like you need to almost have the male be the one that's kind of got the attitude and the female to be a little bit more on the submissive side or something like that. So, cause if your male just wants to run, it, it, it's, it's just the way it is. So I think that's going to be what it is. And then obviously it's just getting into some kind of consistent rhythm. Uh, I'm right. not trying to, like, I'm not pulling them out of the snake room to cool them with the bread lie. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, try to 
dry out their cage and then have a rain system go on. I'm just going to keep them the way I've been keeping them that they seem to do well at. And then one mm-hmm. year they'll breed and then I'll be happy or <laughs> this pair will, or this pair will end up dying and I'll go get a new pair of babies and we'll start the cycle all over. You know, that's just right. Did now when it comes to the, are you breeding them like in the, in the winter time or is it more no. of a spring breeder? I'm I'm breeding them pretty much like I put them together when I put together the carpet pythons, but mm-hmm. I don't pull them apart until like the bread lie are done. So it's like they get, here you go, figure it the hell out. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of a thing. Um, and I am keeping my eye on them. So mm-hmm. like I, I probably will be pulling them apart in the beginning of June just because, you know, the bread lie that I have are showing all the signs of being gravid and getting close to having like prelay sheds and all that fun stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like, right, if the white lips were, were doing anything. So that being said, if I go to pull them apart and she looks massive, guess, guess who's staying together. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And also, you know, who's to say I'm not in the middle of December or something like that going like, I should probably put them together. It, it, we've always talked about reading your snakes and knowing what they're doing. If a white lip blows up and gets massive, you know, I don't care if we're about if we're packing for Tinley Park. Boys going in with girls. It's like you know that's just that's how it's going. So, yeah, right. We'll see. Yeah, I think uh, you know we talk about little nuggets of information and stuff. And uh, one of the things that um, that Ryan said and it kind of stuck with me, and this was years ago that he talked about this, mm-hmm. but he said that um, you know when we were talking to him about trying to figure out when a female ovulates. He said that when you have a pair of pythons and you put them together, he's found Mm -hmm. that when the female is done and she ovulates, the male will shed. Yeah. Yeah. So I put that to the test this season and I kind of looked at my notes and my data and sure enough, pretty much that's pretty much on point. So like, Meaning that female's done, she ovulates, and then the male goes into shed. Like he's done his deal. Um, it's time for me to shed, get this done, and boom. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. of uh, my citrus tigers in particular. I was like, what the hell? He's in the middle of a shed. And I'm thinking, and at the time, I didn't, I must have missed the ovulation. Like I kind of, she kind of felt tight, you know, but like, you know, how like, you know, you have those ones where it's kind of iffy where you're like, hmm, I don't know if this one went or not. I mean, she kind of feels tight, but at the same time, it's kind of squishy. That's probably the same mm-hmm. thing we say every year. But, you know, I don't know, just a little bit of, uh, you know, that little nugget of info, uh, you know, could really, uh, you know, help you get to understand what the snakes are like, because, you know, being a student of the serpent is kind of like, you know, paying attention to what they're doing and paying attention to, you know, these little details that, you know, if you're watching your snakes and paying attention to your snakes, then you'll start to pick up on these little, little cues, you know, and, you know, if you're, if you're paying attention, they'll, they'll tell you what they want. It's just a matter of you paying attention. And it's really just going down the same thing. I mean, you know, I had, I got the pair of Womas last year. Uh, I think it was in the summertime. Or was right. It, yeah, I think it was the summertime last year. And I tried breeding them last season, and they didn't go anywhere. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And then this right. year, um, just watching, I put them, I put them together, and 
the amount of spurring that the male did on the female to the point that he was damaging her scales on her back was like, okay, clearly we're doing something correct here. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just kind of waiting to see a sign from them. And obviously the signs so far have been, well, they haven't tried to kill each other so far. So good. And mm-hmm. that's really not the, that's a good sign, but I would like mm-hmm. to see more from them. So I may need to do a little bit more tweaking with that kind of stuff. So We'll see. Um, I'm not going to give up on the project. I'm not going to ditch all my white lips. And I think the only reason, like I said, that I let that other trio go to Chris is because they're close to home and I know where they're at. And, you know, Chris and I have always had that kind of an understanding with that kind of stuff. So um, when it comes down to it, you know, I'm going to keep trying with these guys. And like I said, either I'll have success or I won't. And Mm -hmm. if I don't, then we keep trying. It's be one of those things. Watch it be like, you know, I produce like Max and olives and Savus and waters. And then like the last thing I ever produce is like white lips. And then I drop dead. I'm like, that's fine. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> right. I don't care if I'm the 86 year old guy at this point, like there are eight morphs of white lip and no one gives a damn. I'll figure it out. So, right. you know, yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're definitely a species that's on the – well, obviously they're on the list, but, you know, <clears throat> they're higher up on the list than um, for me. Uh, you know, that iridescence on those snakes are just amazing. And, like, I have yet to find somebody that when you, you show them a white-lipped python that is not impressed by that snake. Yeah. I mean, that is a cool yeah. snake. So underrated, man. Do you remember when we rolled into ICAST and I bought the golds and the blacks? I mean, like, I mm-hmm. bought both of them, and it was – Dude, those black bays, I, I love them. I mean, if you ever want to see something that's gorgeous, because I've had people who aren't even snake people who are like, you have to get these snakes, they're rainbow colored. I'm like, okay, you're either about to show me a Bolins or a black face white lip. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Black? It's, 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 it's rainbow color. I'm like, it's a black face white lip. And then they show me the picture. It's a black face white lip in the sun. It's mm-hmm. the color that comes off their scales. It looks like oil in the sun. And if you ever want to see the most beautiful snake ever, you take a black face, white lip outside, and boom, they pop. Right. Uh, they'll also probably try to bite you the second they hit outside. Because <laughs> they're one of those snakes where it's like, clearly, I'm laying in grass now, which means I'm in the wild, and I have to defend myself. So you, they avoid that. But, right. Um, they're definitely cool species, and uh, I, I can't wait to get uh, back involved with the black ones. It's just it's it, it becomes a matter of space and what mm-hmm. you can function with. And, sure. I mean, like I've told you, there are a lot of projects that I want to get involved in, but you know I don't need to because Chris has got the black face where I live. You have ring pythons. I'll deal with that later. You know I got other shit <laughs> to deal with right now, and I'll I'll get to those guys. So yeah. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my breeding strategy with ring pythons is going to be sort of the same type of deal. Just, you know, raise them up slow, uh, slow grow. Um, I think the thing probably more so with ring pythons than with white lips, but you talk about mate selective and whatnot. I think Mm -hmm. that the thing that sort of deters people from working with rings is that that they could actually kill (laughs) the, the male, the female sometimes kills the male I, which uh and that that that, that would be disappointing <laughs> extremely but dude that is the other thing that points more towards that white lips and rings are exactly the same because it, it, i have pulled more white lips apart from trying to murder each other than i would like to count and it's just 
that's the way it goes. They're they, they'll and somebody will move and then it's on, and then yeah. one will bite the other. They'll wrap each other up and then either they'll let go or they don't let go and somebody ends up dead. So um, it is something to be concerned about with those guys. I have I have captive born and bred white lips downstairs that look like they're wild caught because of what they've done to each other. You know, a couple bites on the head here, a, a nip on the back. It's like. Yeah, that's probably why they need to be separated because uh, he needs to get he needs to get away from her. She's she's a bitch, so I feel bad for him because um, he's actually if you remember in the second uh, video that you did when you were over here, we pulled the golden male out and he actually sat nicely. Um, oh yeah, I gotta get cracking on that man. I forgot all about that. Yeah, all the, the, good the shit second on that half. One. Yeah. That had the rough scales in it. <laughs> and yeah, some of those crazy lubricants. Yeah. So when are you booked yeah. for uh from the ground up? I don't know, June something. I um June fourth, I think. So okay. I have to double check. Yeah. I'll have it together by then, so then you'll have oh, uh, video good. of your oh, uh so you. We can also get yeah, to the what comment I'm section. We can talk about it live on air. Yeah, great. Uh screw that, <laughs> dude. I'm closing the comments and also, the comments go to hell. Yeah, <laughs> screw that. You know, and I was watching. I started to look into YouTube and look at the comments yeah. and shit. And like Zach was telling me how rough they are on YouTube with comments. When I started seeing yeah. some guys that I really look up to and know their shit, and they're getting bad comments, I'm like, oh, all right, I don't feel so bad no, I don't now. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I told well, you, it, who it, gives it, a it shit? got to me. Yeah, it got to me a little bit. Then I'm really like, I don't give a damn. So, yeah. No, please, chuck up the second half. I really want to see that because, you know, I did my best crocodile impersonation when I was – crocodile hunter uh, impression when I was uh, pulling out the gold face. So, yeah. Oh, I'll yeah, definitely. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I'll have to make sure I get that together before you before you go on and do that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of at the end and I still had other shit to talk about, but um, I guess I'll have to do that on another you and me episode. So we did yeah. get a, a, an email or message from uh, Ernie McCracken, right? He wanted us to do a show on caging and equipment, you know, yeah. um, and I totally. had that in there, like why melamine cages and cheap thermometers, well, and sterilite well, the tubs and all that you, stuff suck. That thing is, <laughs> well, the good thing about you and me is that we have different opinions when it comes to like, you have a lot more racks than I do. I have a lot more cages than you do, but we mm-hmm. also both have cages and racks. So yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I mean, yes. when you, when you, when it comes down to when it comes down to you know, I, I know this is probably going to be controversial for people and whatnot, and like oh my god, but yes. <laughs> when it comes down to caging for pythons and stuff, I mean, I. I, I I don't know. I seem to do what seems to make this like, I don't think about what would make me happy. I try to think about what the snake is reacting to and being happy with. So for instance, like I think of, I think of so many people that keep short tails, right? Mm -hmm. It seems that for short tail pythons, the best way to go is to keep them in a rack. That doesn't mean you can't keep them in a cage. It just means that you should shut the hell up. When somebody that breeds them consistently has them in a rack. rack. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're yeah. a, a species that lays underneath palm fronds and just waits there for something to come along. So like, I, I think that's what drove me away from Facebook is just like these fucking people that come on, man. And they just, 
<laughs> fucking act like they know everything and anything about species and they've been keeping snakes for two months. Like, and they're arguing <laughs> with people that have been doing it forever. It's just like, what are you talking about, man? Like, have you, have you experienced what this person has experienced? You know, and then you no. ask for an opinion. And on the flip side of that, though, I seen it somewhere where I saw today, I think it was might have been on the carpet python discussion board or something. Somebody was asking about something with a carpet python. And, oh, no, the guy had it in a temporary holding tank, right? He had it in a tank. Hmm. He had a red bulb above it because it, it, it you know, uh, I guess like he, it was a hot, it was a hotter bulb than what it should have been or whatever. So he had it like elevated a little bit. So it wasn't as, you know, yeah. as intense heat right on the thing. On the Dude, I have kept and bred carpets and tanks. So this idea yeah. that you can't keep and breed snakes and tanks, like it back in the 1980s, that's all there fucking was, was tanks. Dude, you're, people didn't have cages and on- shit. Your diamond pythons have done better in tanks than mine have in professional cages. I mean, like, what are we doing here? It's like, yeah, sometimes uh, no. tanks are the answer. No, I'm not. I, I'm not saying that that tanks are the best solution. I'm just saying no. that tanks can work. And the the, the whole idea option. that this new guy that's coming into carpets comes on the this this it could be on pick of the week, it could be on whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not singling out a specific, you know facebook thing but this is the problem with facebook and this is what fucking irritates the shit out of me i know i'm fired up about this is that (laughs) here's a guy that's coming along and they're just trying to say hey i'm new to the community hey check it out is this okay or whatever and then people just come on and they're just like well you're an idiot you're a fucking asshole because you keep it in a tank like i'm sorry it doesn't look as pretty as your freaking ap cage like oh god if you don't have ap cages then you're nobody get the Fuck out of here with that bullshit. I don't you know have what AP I mean? cages. Like, I do not own a single AP cage. I, I'm Come not knocking AP cages. Like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that you have to have this brand or that brand, but it just seems know, like these people come saying. along like they're better because I have AP cages and somehow my animals because, are healthier. My dad no, kept them. My the dad thing. kept his snakes that he had for years. Right. Right. He kept them in these right. wooden boxes that he fucking <laughs> built out of the cheapest goddamn wood. That you know that wood that's like kind of like wood that's all thrown together. It's not even plywood, plywood dude. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not plywood. It's that wood oh, no, that's it's, like it's, it's compressed you build wood, a yeah. shed out of. You know what I'm talking about? It's like all the wood. different wood that's put together, and that's what he built his cages out of. And he kept every kind of snake you could possibly imagine, and he kept right. them healthy, and they ate. And they live for like, well, shit, I, probably from when I was five to when I was 20. You know what I, you know what I mean? So like this idea yeah. that, you know, that it has to be this or somehow you're a moron. It's just got to stop, man. It really well, here's does. The thing. It just turns people off. It does. And, and here's the thing is that obviously, uh, you know, tanks work fantastically, especially if you have the correct size tank for the correct size animal. Now, what people... Where, where people shouldn't have animals in tanks are like, you obviously don't put an adult crocodile monitor in a 45-gallon breeder. Duh. Sure. You know, and that's the thing is where I think that's spilled over to the point now where all tanks are bad. That's not true. You know, well, I, I know plenty of people that use that kind of stuff. But then here's the other thing is that you don't we, – we said this before. You don't need to go and become broke. You don't need to invest – Ten to fifteen thousand dollars in your snake room, 
immediately right off the bat. You can build up slowly. So it doesn't fucking matter what cages you have as long as the animal's kept correctly and happy and healthy. You can get yeah. the you can get the you can build your own goddamn cages out of whatever the hell. And as long as it works and the animal's happy and healthy. You know, that's where it should be going. If it's healthy in a rack, okay. If it's healthy in a cage, fine. If it's healthy in a tank, it's okay too. If you've somehow created some sort of weird ass monstrosity that takes up half your living room, has separate levels, is made up of stone, moss, and a naturalistic setup that you've planted over fertilizer that you've created yourself, I don't give a shit. Is the animal all right in it? Cool. Done. Have fun. So that's just where it goes. Yeah, I mean, so let me back up for a second just so people understand, again, you know, when you do this type of thing, people, you know, I've learned over the years that I have to really, like, make sure that people understand my whole point. The disadvantages (laughs) of having a tank is a couple (laughs) things. One, it's not really a, it's not really good for heating, right? The heat no. escapes. Glass is not really good for, you know, keeping an animal, you know, at, at certain temperatures, right? So you have that part of it. And then if you have an animal that requires, like, you know, more humidity uh, type of deal, um, you know, then you, you're difficult if you have a screen top, right? That is mm-hmm. very difficult. But – I can't think of that guy. His name is Jason, and he actually builds tanks. Dude, he sent me pictures. I'm going to post oh, yeah, them on the, the chat dude, when we're done. In, yeah, yeah, we met him at ICAST. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, I right? Know the, yeah, he's a, yeah, 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 I know the guy. He's, he's in um, Neor or something like that? Yeah, he's actually, he's actually building um, stuff with Andrew when Andrew moves because of how, the, how big the – monitor cages and stuff got to go with so yeah i know the guy and i, I know so he well, has so timor yeah. pythons in glass yes. tanks yes they're and freaking gorgeous they're doing, they're doing fantastically same thing with his karibo and all the other animals that he has so just because it's a glass fucking tank doesn't mean it's not a good cage i swear these people uh, man they hear one thing right they hear something and mm-hmm. they don't take the time to, to, to research the topic or form their own opinion. They just yep. like latch on to this opinion and then they go with it. Yes, there are disadvantages to having a glass tank. But if the guy who clearly said in the post that this was a temporary holding thing until he gets home, then people are saying, oh, you were not prepared. You're telling me that the people out there that you've never done something, you've never gone to a reptile show and bought a snake on a whim. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's unrealistic, I, I, man. I, I know you I see have. it all the time. I've done it. Yeah. Everybody's done it. You show up to a I reptile bought... show not thinking, not thinking that you know uh, that you're gonna buy something, and you're like, holy shit, that catches my eye, and now I want to, I, I want to get it. I want to, I want to see what it's like to keep this animal, right? Oh, what does it need? Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm gonna have to go buy this glass tank as a temporary thing to hold it in, or I'm gonna put it in a tub, and then if you put it in a tub, then you're bad too. You know what I mean? You have to have this like naturalistic enclosure that's the size of the room, which again, if that's what you're into and that's what you like, then so be it. But there are some animals that stress out in those type of environments. Yeah. And to me, that is more for the keeper than the cat. You know what I'm saying? It you, like it, 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 making, It's making yourself feel better as opposed to caring about what the hell's going on with the critter. So. We're not dealing with uh, with freaking uh, you know killer whales. Like okay, if we're talking killer <laughs> whales or chimpanzees with an animal that actually has intelligence, you know what I mean? Like 
like real intelligence. I'm not talking about like, you know, I mean, let's face it. We love our snakes and they're great and our pythons are good, but they're not the smartest in the freaking animal they can, kingdom. They can count the potato. Yes, they're, they're not right. intelligent creatures. But what yeah. I don't understand is like the same people that are bitching about, you know, uh, you know, that the fact that they're, you know, that you have a carpet python in a freaking tub, right? Then they're like, meanwhile, they're retics in a six foot fucking cage. <laughs> You're mm. like, huh? What did I miss? Your fucking 15 foot retic is in a six foot cage, but my yep. four foot carpet python is bad in a four foot long tub. Like, huh? Yeah. What? How how does that yep. make sense? Yeah, it's, it, it it makes sense to them because that's what's what's going on. It's like nobody realizes just what certain animals might need until they're in that situation. I mean, I've kept carpet pythons in four foot cages that were six foot. I've kept, you know, uh, carp pythons that were 10 foot in a six foot cage. It's like that. You can do all these things. I mean, I, I have right now, cause I've been kind of scaling down the size of animals that are growing up. I don't let them get as big. They used to, the fours seem a lot bigger to me than they used to. And I like it because I like it that they have all that room, but my males, they live in 41 quart bins during the off season and they're fine. They're boys, you know, they don't right. get that much bigger either. So it is what it is. It's, you have to gauge the end of individual animal on how or, or what its individual needs are. You know, I have a seven foot male carpet python. He's mm-hmm. not going to go in a 41 quart bin. Why? Because a 41 quart bin would be a little tight for him. You know, that's just how it goes. Now, if you are a non breeder if you just want these things as a pet you know of course you can get by with this cage that cage don't there are so many different ways to skin the cat and we've said this so many times that there are different cage companies there are different caging options there are different tub sizes there are different everythings do what makes you feel comfortable but also keep in mind what is the need of the animal you know i I had I would never put my I would never put a, a short tail in a cage because I tried that and she lost her freaking mind. She hated it. She was stressed out. She was hitting the glass. She was flipping out. She was whatever. So, but I put her in a bin and she calmed down. I had that with my Halma hair scrub. I said this a long time mm-hmm. ago. So when I got that thing back in 2009, I would, went to the MP forums. I looked it up. Everybody told them that everybody said that you have to keep them hotter. You have to keep them mm-hmm. hotter you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, well, the only way that I can keep these hotter is if I put it in a cage. So I put it in a cage and the thing stressed out. It just was constantly smacking the, smacking the glass on the cage, hitting the glass, boom, 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 boom. So I'm like, all right, well, what can I do? I put the cage up higher. Didn't matter. Boom, 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 boom. It's like, okay, well, this thing is going to be have brain damage by the time I try to breed it, right? So I'm like, you right. know what? Screw this. I'm going to be a student of the serpent, and I'm going to say, maybe if I put it in a tub, maybe it'll calm down over the years, and then I can move it to a cage once it's more comfortable. So that's what I did. I moved it to a tub, and what do you know? It stopped striking. It started eating, yep. and it started to grow, and it shed perfect. And it, you know, all these things that, you know, it wasn't doing in that environment, I changed the environment. And then all of a sudden it started acting like the way it's supposed to act. Right. I can't help it that it didn't want to be in the cage. Like people told me that it should have been. 
And probably if I posted up a picture of a Helma hair scrub in a tub, people would be freaking out. How can you keep that animal in a tub? Blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm doing what the mm. animal wants, not what I want. You know, I would love it to sit in a cage and I could come in the room and look at it and stare at it and look be at amazed it, be like, at this beautiful python. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, so as it grew older, I tried moving it back to a cage. I went out and bought one of those, you know, like a, a PVC type of cage. I tried to yeah. put it in the cage. Did not do good. It didn't do good. Right. I put it back in the tub. Then it started doing good. So you know what? I said, screw it. I'm keeping it in the tub. I'm just keeping it in the tub. And sure enough, when people come over to see my collection or whatever, and I'm like, oh, let's see your helmet hair. And oh, I'm yeah. pulling it out of a tub. They're the like, tub. oh, my God, <laughs> you put it in a tub? Why are you putting it in a tub? You know, like the scrub police will come out and somehow, like, they start screaming and yelling and hollering. See, here's my thing. Yeah. Like, if you want people to see your view- viewpoint or maybe listen to your experiences, maybe instead of attacking them, maybe you give them some proof or talk about why you think the way you do. Maybe you are right. You know, maybe, maybe the other people are wrong, but like the community is never going to grow, right? It's never Mm -hmm. going to grow. If when new people come in, that all they do is get ridiculed and said that they're a moron. The only one I can give kudos to on that entire post was Hesham goes in and he answers the person's questions and gives them some tips and what he asked for some suggestions for. Okay. There you go. I mean, and that's the thing is, like, when we always talk about the show, all we ever tell you guys is what works for us and what we have experience with in all our things. And that's just how we, you know, you can do that. You could go on there and be like, oh, well, I keep my scrub like this and show pictures and talk about this and talk about that and talk about that and then walk away. But, you know, you don't sit there and go, well, you're a stupid dumbass and this is what you should be doing. You should never phrase anything like that. It should always be this What is what works for me because – I hate to break it to everybody out there. The way you keep your pythons is not the only way, and it may not necessarily be the best way. It's what works for you. It is the best way for you, where you live, what you're doing, and the species you have. Even the individual animals that you currently have in your collection, that's what works best for you and for them. It could be completely different for somebody else. I don't care. The next town over. So... Don't what I, be a dick about it. <laughs> yeah. What I would recommend to people, and this is something I never hear talked about, is that if you're going to, if you buy a snake, right, and mm-hmm. you want to know how to set it up, talk to the person that bred it. That's who you talk Holy to. Holy shit. Because really? <laughs> <laughs> they've kept that snake alive from when it hatched out until now to when you bought it, Right. <laughs> And, and what you leader, should do, they potentially kept their parents alive from when they hatched <laughs> out until they were correct. To make the animal you just bought. Yeah. So it's, exactly. I don't, I don't. So what what you should do is is that even if even if how they kept is different than how mm-hmm. you keep, you shouldn't just take that animal. Like so, what's happening is you're getting this new animal and then you plop it into your mm-hmm. condition. Whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, a colder room with a bigger hot spot, uh, ambient temperature type of deal with no hot spot. Maybe you have somewhat of a hot spot. Maybe it's in a tub. Maybe it's in a cage. Maybe it's in whatever. But what I'm saying is if you get this little snake and it comes in and you're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to put it in a four foot cage. Good well, luck, guess buddy. What? <laughs> Good luck with that. You know what I'm saying? Good luck. Well, but no, and I, and I would put it in. I mean, like, how many. 
Go ahead. Like, put it in the same conditions that it came from. Like, because like, how many times have you had where a customer buys a snake from you, and they call you and they say, well, "Nobody buys snakes from me, Owen." <laughs> that's true. You never sell them. I'm sorry. I I, I apologize, and I'll now right. go from my own. Most of the time. <laughs> If anybody ever calls me saying that the snake won't eat, there are usually two reasons for it. One, they've now attempted to get it to eat four times after owning it for a grand total of a day. So, <laughs> yeah, leave it alone. I mean, that's right. usually my thing is that if you all right, don't feed it, try feeding it in a week and then call me. If it doesn't eat after you've, after you've left it alone for seven days, then call me and I'll work through it with you. They never call again. Because right. it eats. The other right. thing is that because they'll take a baby that's been born and raised in a tub and they'll drop it in a 10 or 20 gallon tank. And right. it's in like the living room. And they're like, well, it seems kind of seems kind of nervous. I'm like, well, yeah, you, you just took it out of its house with nice, you know, dark walls to everything's clear and it can see everything. It's going to need some time to adjust. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of these things need a pretty big adjustment period, especially with. However large the change is, that's how, it, it kind of is more adjustment. I mean, that's just how it goes. And, uh, you know, you should definitely be aware of that. So right. you should definitely try to mimic what, what the breeder had, at least for the first little bit, and then slowing it down. And I know you do. I, I, I got you. So, <laughs> but... <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then slowly move it into how you keep. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when it's in quarantine or however you, you know, maybe you don't have any other snakes. Maybe this is your first snake. But that's why a lot of a lot of guys, you'll hear them all the time is like buy from a breeder and stuff like that. You know, if you're buying mm -hmm. you not, not from somebody that bred the snake, you're not necessarily going to know that information. That doesn't mean that you can't ask the person that you bought it from. But sometimes they don't give a shit because they're just in the business of selling snakes and they get it from you know, they buy wholesale stuff and then they sell it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it is what it is. And you have to understand that when you're buying that type of deal, that's what you're getting. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, and I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying that, you know, there's, there's reasons why people say buy from a breeder. And then, and then there's other times where you can't buy from a breeder because it's not being bred. You know, so you do have right. to go either the wild caught or the captive hatched, or you have to go from somebody that's, you know, uh, uh, you know, buying clutches in bulk or whatever, you know what I mean? Like sometimes that's the way you, you're going to have to go, but you know, buy from the breeder, especially when you're new and starting out, buy from somebody that, you, you know, whatever they're doing, you think that that's the right way to, to do it. There's been so many breeders on this show that you can go back and listen or any other podcast yeah. for that matter. There's breeders all over the place. You can hear what they're about. You can look at their, you know, uh, uh, Facebook pages or their Instagram feeds or their websites or whatever, and you can see what they're about. And if you, you believe what they're doing, then that's what you should, you know, you should follow and you should support that type of person. It was kind of like Garrett was talking about last week, which by the way, happy birthday, Garrett. But anyway, yes. one of the things that he was talking about last week is like, if you like this person, then support, support them. them. You know, I, I was listening mm -hmm. back to the reptile radio, um, uh, an episode and it was, I think it was with Tom Crutchfield or something like that. And I was just listening to it for shits and giggles. And one of the things that those guys talked about, and he's like, he's like, you know what? 
we've decided that we no longer, we have a different way of approaching the friends, um, the friends discount when it comes to buying mm-hmm. snakes from your friends or people that you're close to. If they're really your friends <laughs> and they support the project you're doing, then shouldn't they pay full price and support the project? And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess that is true. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm your friend. So now, you know, all this work that you put into whatever, now all of a sudden I'm going to get a discount. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't get a discount, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's, it, I don't know. It's kind of wrong true with me. It's like, wow, that's kind of, it's kind of, kind of true. <laughs> like, you know, and, you know, Lotus. again, there's certain people that you're going to hook up and whatnot, but, um, yeah. you know. But, but I mean, I and it also goes hand in hand is that, you know, when we get further into, like, I, I don't know about you, but when I make those rash kind of off-the-cuff snake purchases, um, I usually do it because I know I got somebody in my corner who I can call and be like, all right, give me the lowdown. Like, uh, I bought the Madagascan hogs at Tinley, and I didn't even need to get to Riley, you did it for me. Like I told you, and then Riley's mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god!" And like he just blows up my email. Like I mean, like mm-hmm. he just fills it with everything I would ever need to know about these things. So it's like having that kind of out there is also good. So it's like get in touch with the people that care and are passionate about the species you want to work with. If you have questions about that stuff, but even then, remember that at one point you were the starting person out there. Um, you know, out, out there with carpet pythons or snakes in general. So there is no stupid question. And, you know, don't be a dick. Got a question, you can answer it. Even if it's a dumb question of like, what's in my carpet python? You know, it, just answer it the way that we know you're supposed to answer them and ha- try to help out the best you can. But you should never rip anybody apart for asking questions or trying to look for advice or for help. I mean, that, that just, yeah, we were all in that position that. at one time oh, and, okay, I, and I, I get it, man. Yeah. I get it. I get it. You know, back in our time, you know, people read books and people, we didn't have, I mean, my generation is the last generation that will remember the world before there was an internet, you know, like so when I grew up before there was the internet. Yes. My God. <laughs> yes. It is true, Owen. It existed. It existed. My God. <laughs> it was a Shangri-La world where people like if you wanted to see a picture Shangri-La. if you wanted to buy a snake, you had to get a picture in the mail and it was a price list right. and you know <laughs> a self-addressed stamped envelope would be sent oh to you and you would not. <laughs> what a world. Yeah. Thank God that's yeah. over. But it's almost like it's almost like the technology is like is hurting us more than it's helping us. You know, like you would think Mm -hmm. like now you're connected with people from all around the world. Like, you know, you go to some of these. I can't remember which blood python forum it is, but the guys are actually there over in Indonesia. Like you have we have access to talk to people that can walk out their door, you know, like talking to people from Australia. They're in our chat Mm -hmm. today. Today, uh, somebody posted a picture of monitors, and the next thing you know, Scott's like, oh, yeah, they're out in my yard. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, you can really pick the brain of, of these people. That's why, like, when Scott posts up pictures of his carpet sitting on his backyard fence, I'm asking questions, like, just thinking outside the box, like, oh, you know, what, 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 you know yeah. what's going on? To try to really understand 
what the animal is about. And now we have access to that. We have, we have people that we can reach out to and say, Hey, what is the temperature really like, like there? I can't wait to actually go to Australia and, and be there in the environment and feel like how hot does it get? How cold does it get? You know, at night when I'm sleeping in a, in a, in a sleeping bag next to Rob Stone and we're snuggling from heat from, for heat, you know, because now, see, it's so now you've done it. Now, now you're now I'm mad again. <laughs> now you've done it. Now, now we need to stop talking. All right. <laughs> now you've gone too far. Right. But Sir. my point is, is that you'll, you, you get a different, I believe you'll get a different understanding for like what so. makes that animal tick, you know? And, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's enough ranting. I, I'm, I don't want to be negative or whatever, but I just saw that and I was just really disappointed. More than anything, I was disappointed. I was disappointed oh. in how people reacted to that. And I'm like, no wonder I don't really associate with these groups anymore because it's just, right. it just becomes a pissing contest. You know, I mean, yeah. one of the topics that I had on the thing, and we'll talk about it maybe at another time or maybe the next time that Scott comes on our show, Scott Borden. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this at Carbifest for sure. But the big snakes and kids post that he had, you know, like he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point, but nobody's listening to his point. Like, and then nobody would even like, like grant, like, I guess the, the idea of having a civil conversation is gone. Like, and I miss those days, even back. If you look in the forums, like on the back Mm. on the MP forums, dude, it was Mm. brutal. They yelled at each other. They cursed at each other. They told them, you know, but at the same time, they're having a discussion where the person that's reading that can learn something from it and make their own conclusions. You know, they're not saying this person's an idiot. They're saying why they think that that is wrong and this is what they do. And that's the proof that they have and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, to go with what Scott was saying in those posts about like kids and giant snakes, dude, I don't like pictures of kids with big dogs. You know, I, I get nervous about that kind of crap and having a big snake like you, it, it no, no, dude. And I love big there snakes. Was, yeah, right. there was, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. There was, well, all right. There was one time at the zoo where we were told to go and pick up a gator and we usually get three or four calls a year about gators in people's houses. Mm-hmm. Because they buy them at Hamburg. They raise them up and they want to get rid of them. So <laughs> we, we go over and, I'm told it's a small gator. It's an adult male gator, Mm -hmm. big boy. And I'm like, holy shit. So I'm waiting for my other crew to arrive because I realized this was not a one Owen job. I needed multiple people. Um, So they're coming, and the guy who's there is showing me video of Mm -hmm. this gator in the pool with Mm -hmm. him and his kids. So, like, little kid comes swimming up to daddy. Daddy throws kid. Daddy throws the kid. Daddy throws the gator. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, here we have an alligator in a pool. And he goes, oh, man, he was real sweet. I'm like, yeah, perfect, till he's not. And that is the dumbest thing I think you could possibly do. You know, I I don't let zero around my nephew because, you know, I not that zero has shown any kind of aggression towards my nephew or anything like that. It's just that all, all my nephew would have to do is step on his toe and have some sort of misunderstanding with the dog once, and it would mm-hmm. be bad. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, but I'm always right on top of him, always monitoring. I'm not posing my nephew on top of my dog, pulling his ear for a cute picture. No, it's dumb. Same thing with big right. snakes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I guess like, again, what I was going to say is I love big snakes. Right. And I do, yes, do. 
I do see the point that some of the people were talking about when they were answering back to Scott's post that it does show them in a light that is, um, it shows them as they're not these vicious animals that people make them out to be. Right. And I, and I, right. I get that and I understand that, but I think where my problem is with it is that the people mm. that are doing that, they, they think that this snake is not a wild animal and it is a wild animal and it's going to act on instinct and all that needs to happen is one accident. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, people are going, people are going to see what they want to see. And I think for us, we think because we love snakes, you know what I'm saying? So like when you're posting those mm-hmm. pictures and you're posting them and you're putting them in a group, everybody's going to love them. They're like, Oh, that's a cool look. The little kids with the snake, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I got to tell you, man, like my question would be this. My first question would be to the people that were saying that they, you know, they agree with the fact that you should be able to post snakes up. One, do you have a big snake? Two, have you ever worked with a big snake? And I can say that like my first real, like I'm talking big snake is, you know, was Burmese, but Burmese are different than retics to me, in my opinion, Burmese are like stupid, (laughs) you know, they're like, Burmese are so hard to be inbred. They don't know which way is up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love the snakes. I think they're awesome, but they're just not, they're just different than retics. Retics are smarter. They, you can see that they're trying to figure things out. They're, they're, they're just, it's just a different animal. And it's not that, you know, one is better than the other. It's just different. And I got to tell you, man, the first time I went to Matt's and he pulled out that big retic and that thing was coming around and it was going to take a bite. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, luckily Matt was able to catch it in time and like, kind of like be like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, we kind of looked at each other and played it off. Like who that did, that didn't just happen, you know, but like, yeah, that could have been bad, you know? And yeah. there was nothing that would have said, like, it wasn't like Matt was feeding. It wasn't like, it wasn't any of that. We had the snake out. We were holding the snake, no different than what Matt would do at any other time. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. this snake felt like, mm, I'm going to take a bite of you, you know? And, and maybe maybe it was my hobbit size. Maybe, I, I don't maybe know. Maybe it's, that, maybe it, <laughs> maybe it's told me as a monkey. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, but uh, I mean, like, there are ways to do that kind of stuff. Like, I, I have, I've done multiple encounters with large snakes and kids where the, I have most of the snake, and the kid can, like, pet and hold the tail. There's ways to have introductions where the animal is completely in your control, not right. hanging off of a child. And I mean, like, yeah. that, that's where you need to know what's going on. I mean, there are ways to have animal introductions where everyone is safe, and then the, and you can still have uh, the photo opportunity. Like I said, when I used to do the educational programs, I would have this giant albino Burmese python draped over my freaking back. And I would right. have its head up high. I'd be holding it up, and the kids could hold its tail. Because the right. head's all the way over here, you get this really cool picture of this really big snake, and they're holding a tail. And, like, right. that's it. You still get the same power of the punch without draping it over a child. And, dude, I've been at shows where a baby ball python bit a kid on the hand as it was holding it. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. are and can be unpredictable. I don't care sure. how long you've had this animal. It, it can be that way. So, sure. yeah, I mean – just understand that is what I think Scott was trying to get across and that it was 
something you may want to rethink before you do. And I agree with him completely. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, the, the problem with when you're typing something on a computer is you don't know how somebody's saying it. You don't know the word, like you're putting your own inflections into it. You're putting your own, you know, your own perception of what that person is trying to say. And that's why it's such a difficult medium to communicate with because you're not there in front of the person. And that's why Carpet Fest is so awesome because you're you actually there with, with the people. people. <laughs> I can't you know? wait. Like, but I think even, I'm going to go to Burger King and get a crown for Scott and put and like <laughs> it King of Carpets. <laughs> the royal, royal, his royal highness, the Prince of Carpet Pythons, <laughs> mighty crown. Like, right. you know, I think I'm going to go that far this year. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that yeah. might be a good idea, man. We might get I him a throne. I could, like, decorate the one chair that he oh could Oh, my like, God. In, you know? We'll have to get him, like, one of those, uh, oh. like, one of those, Scepters what do they call that cape. thing? Scepters. Yeah, yeah. yeah cape yeah. and all that. That would be pretty cool. There we go. Maybe, maybe we Great, could rent man. the Burger King costume. <laughs> Either one. I we'll figure this out. You and I will talk. This will be part of the discussion that we have. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I'm glad On we could note. turn that around from that negative <laughs> negative vibe. But again, this is my point. Like, you know, I guess, you know, like you know, like me and Scott have debated things a lot. You know, yeah. we have talked about we have had different points of view. I've had different points of view with a lot of people. But when we're at Carpet Fest we're actually able to talk about it like people and have a conversation and not be like, like saying he's a, an asshole and he's saying I'm an asshole, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's kind of the point. So, so if you're in the Texas area, this weekend is carpet fest. So if you're curious about information, you should get in touch with Evan Browder uh, on Facebook and message him up and he'll be able to give you the info, uh, that you need may 5th may 5th i think they're getting together at bone daddy's um oh okra with a side of okra uh oh my god fried okra the last time i was at when i was at southern carpet (laughs) fest last year i could not eat anything (laughs) that's right they're like we're gonna order lettuce i'm like no eric will cry (laughs) (laughs) right oh boy but anyway yeah you should definitely check it out and then for us Northeast Carpet Fest is June 9th. Uh, June 9th in Warminster, PA. Uh, we will start to be hitting it hard uh, as soon as this weekend is over because then it is the Northeast time. But we didn't want to step on the toes of the other two. Nope. Uh, so I guess if you have something you want to put up in the auction, then get in contact with me. If you have something that you want to bring as far as food goes, get in touch with Owen. And then other than that, we'll yep. be posting stuff as we, uh, you know, get further and further along so that, uh, you know, what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, next week, we have Ben Morrill coming oh, on. Yeah. We're talking about genetic testing in reptiles. It's going to mm-hmm. be an awesome show. This is a game changer, folks. Genetic oh testing <laughs> in reptiles is going to be the name of the show. So I'm going to just put that out there and let you think about that and what it could be. But (laughs) Ben is doing some awesome stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, he's been working on this project a long time. uh, And I'm glad that uh, he's, it's finally coming to uh, starting to come to fruition. So 
I think yeah. if he takes it to where he wants to take it to, it's a game changer, in my opinion, for the uh, uh, reptile community. So, awesome. cool stuff. All right. And then uh, I think the week after that, we have Ron St. Pierre coming on. Um, okay. I think uh, Rob booked this guy. Um, and. Okay. And then um he uh he's he's more of a boa guy, but um okay. he listens to the podcast, so that's pretty awesome. And uh That is awesome. Uh, we should uh, be talking to him about uh some cool stuff um for sure. So uh stay tuned for that. And then uh we got a couple other ones coming up. I'm trying to work out a show with Don Patterson. We haven't talked to him in a long time. We need to yeah, catch back up with cool. him. I was thinking we could talk some ring pythons with him and some of the stuff that he's got going on and update on that black carpet python that he had. Um he's 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 one of those guys again, he's well versed like Ryan Young, Nick Mutton, the Barker, stuff like that, who's bred multiple species of pythons and has mm. a lot of experience when it comes to breeding pythons. So um, it should be interesting to talk to him. And uh, there's a couple other people that we have to touch base with uh, that are in the works, but uh, hopefully we keep the, uh, the good shows coming. And um, I think uh, the end of June, though, you're going to be on your own, Owen. So I'm going to be in. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> yeah. So you got to start thinking about. Uh... <laughs> I told you you're not allowed to go to Florida anymore. Yeah. Damn it. No, my in-laws are coming up this time, but I got to oh, go okay. to, the, All right. to the shore. So. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, for us, MoreliaPythonRadio.com, and our email is info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com uh, if you want to get in touch with us about the show. Um, yeah, for us, uh, EBMorelia.com is me. My email is Eric at EBMorelia.com. You can find me on my Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube, which uh, I'm probably due for another video. I was waiting for these uh, carpets to shed out and then maybe do a video showing off some of the uh, some of them and what they look like. Um, but, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, I have started posting animals up for sale, so I guess the best place to see it, because it seems that I can't get stuff approved on Facebook, is to go to my <laughs> website, ebmorelia.com. They're like, who's this Eric guy? Where did he come from? He sold snakes? No. I, I didn't know he sold snakes. What the hell's going on? So, uh, so yeah, um, I'm kind of new to this side of things, but uh, yeah, if you want to check out what I got, ebmorelia.com is, is the best way to see what I got going on. Uh, and that's all I got. Cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rose.com. We're currently updating the entire website. So it's going to be a little bit of a redo and it's going to be uh, pretty cool. We're going to roll that out probably this summer. Uh, as well as the babies we have up for the for sale are the ones currently up to date. Uh, up to date. We do not have that many. They're kind of at the low point. Um, so if you see if you do see something you like, don't hesitate because uh, it may very well be gone next time you check. Uh, as far as current shows coming up, I will be attending the Habit of Grace Reptile Show in Habit of Grace, Maryland next weekend. I can drop animals off at that as well. 
uh, that's all we have for you guys today. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we're going to catch everybody back here for some more Morelia Python Radio next week. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.